This call is being recorded. Welcome back to the Fantasy Football Fire. This is the Pyro Podcast, show 305. And we got a doozy here for you tonight. We're going to be dropping that knowledge, giving you that fantasy football goo like only your boys here at Pyromaniac can. Tonight, got a great, great show for you. Got uh, on the other end of a Uber conference is my favorite fantasy football boy and partner and man to party with, and that's Pyromaniac Mo kicking it um, over there in uh, East Lansing style, Michigan. Um, tonight's show, we're going to be talking that we're going to have a superb chat with Pyromaniac Mo about things such as the Super Bowl. Uh, to give a little bit light game matchup kind of talk, nothing too heavy. There's enough of that already out there. Uh, we're not going to bore you with all the ins and outs of the matchups on that. But we'll talk about the game there. Um, we're going to have Mo and my, myself are going to re- have a reflections on the season and a little bit of a early prep tactics, some strategy stuff there. Uh, then we're going to go into a way too early ADP review. Going to go through some rounds. Uh, and look at some guys in each round based on their current ADP from mock drafts done in January um, on who we think are too, ranked too low or could live up to it or who do we think are going to be busts. Last thing, we're going to close out with the fun stuff with some prop bets for the Super Bowl, all that madness. Mo, what's going on, buddy? Hey, hey, hey. What is the fuss and tell me what's happening, brother? How are you? <laughs> I'm doing great, man. I love it. I'm psyched. I'm psyched to spend some time talking about this stuff with you. Um, it's been a it's been a while since uh, we've gotten on a show together, so uh, makes me happy. Actually, not too long. You popped in on 300, so I guess I guess it hasn't been too long. I was kind of close to blacked out when you uh, when you got on the show, as I'm sure you know. Yeah, that was a, a Martin Scorsese uh, epic long uh podcast you guys put together there but yeah we uh you're helping me out on my mini league for the playoffs and we did really really well i am i think roughly in third place the only quibble i have is there's one dude who's about four points five points ahead of me and he has exactly the same players that i have left so i think at best i can finish as second that's too bad. I the only thing I remember uh, pushing for that team was uh, I liked Diggs over Thielen. I didn't think Thielen was going to have a great playoffs, um, but uh, that was tough. That's good. I'm glad that worked out for you because I remember the next day or the next weekend in the in the playoffs, we were texting me, Houdini, and uh, and Stags, and Stag goes, "I think we really fucked up uh, Pyromaniac Mo's playoff league team." <laughs> we're like, I'm like, I don't know. I kind of forget who we picked. Yeah, uh, I, we, I think we did really well. You know, I hopefully come in second place. So that's not too bad. You know, pretty good. But you know, I'm it's bittersweet right now, right? Because we just had what I kind of think of as the best weekend: the, the NFC Championships, the AFC Championships. You know, two games back to back. Although the Minnesota game wasn't quite as exciting as it was the week before. Yeah. But bittersweet now that we've got one game left and i mean what are your feelings dude do you do you think this is going to be a game super bowls are always seemingly a letdown if i think back to all the super bowl parties of my life more often than not it seems to be kind of a letdown and i i really think this one's heading that way yeah it's it's really strange it's like i kind of 
I kind of knew that the Eagles were better um, than I was giving them credit for all season and thought that they were probably going to make it to the Super Bowl. Um, just I think their defense is they're pretty solid. They're, they're well coached. Schwartz is doing a great job. Um, but I do kind of agree that the, the Patriots are, uh, are just suited to potentially spank them here. I don't know. I think it's going to be a good game. I think, I think that the, the Patriots, I do believe, will, will, will pull it out. I think that, uh, you know, Foles kind of sold his soul to the devil for a few games there. Um, and I, I just don't know if he's going to be able to uh, sling it and wing it like he did uh, a couple weeks ago. But we'll see. That's why you play the games. You know, I'm definitely, uh, I'm definitely pretty excited to see what goes on. I hate myself for saying this, but I am rooting for the New England Patriots to win the game. Uh, just not that big of an Eagles fan. Um, I, I think I would have a different take on it if, if Wentz was playing because I do love that guy. Yeah. But just the fans in Philadelphia, you know, fans everywhere suck for the most part. Not saying that the mass holes uh, from Boston are any better, but the Eagles fans, Philadelphia, it's, I'm just, it's just hard to be that psyched uh, and root for them. I like Brady. I'm a big Brady fan. I think this is the one last chance. Um, maybe not last chance, but I, 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 we're, we're witnessing something amazing. If this guy wins his sixth fucking Super Bowl, um, it would be nice to be a real football fan and, and watch him firsthand do that. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty remarkable. It's definitely something special. I mean, love him or hate him. People are going to be turning in either way, but to do what he has done, it's just incredible to actually see it. And I mean, God, guys fall off the cliff all the time. He hasn't really seems to do that i mean we saw peyton manning at the very end of his career and think how quick that was right the 55 touchdown season that was like a blink of an eye before he was a shell of his former self uh, so it happens fast and it just hasn't happened with brady and i don't know when we are ever guys are getting bigger faster stronger uh we're seeing the long-term damage that happens from some of these collisions with these guys as they get older and I don't know if we're going to see a guy like Brady playing into his 40s at this level. So love him or hate him, it's going to be great to see. But, you know, Foles, he's going to have to have another game of his life. And I think he just had the game of his life against the Vikings. He did to the Vikings what nobody has been able to do to that defense all year. I mean, Xavier Rhodes, he was hobbling and injured, but that's a hell of a defense, even without Xavier Rhodes. And Foles just was on fire, man. That was incredible what he was able to do, what they were all able to do against the Vikings just to get here. I think it goes down that they've done it all season. The, the Eagles, um, one of the reasons uh, why they were just killing everyone, even when Wentz was around, they have to get up early on anyone. Um, and they were able to do that on the Vikings. If they get up in this game on the Patriots, it's a little different. We saw, you know, the 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 Jack the Jaguars get up early, and the Patriots come back in the second half, and it's the second game. But if they're not up early, the Eagles, um, I, I think that you'll start seeing separation um, as the game goes on. I think you know, there's a lot of things. I think. Everyone knows the way to get to Brady and the way to piss him off is, the, you know, the pass rush. So if you're, if you're guys and front, front players, um, which the Eagles have uh, some really good ones, and Graham Long and um, some of those dudes, and obviously Fletcher, Fletcher Cox is ridiculous. If they can generate that pressure and be hitting Brady, um, 
you know, it's, that's the, that's kind of the Pandora's box that, that you open up if you're able to create that, because uh, it's really the only kind of chink in, in, in Brady's armor is when he starts getting roughed up. And you got to be thinking the Schwartz and this team, uh, even everyone's calling it out and like, we want to beat pretty boy Tom Brady. That's like the number one goal for this defense is get Brady. Now, here's the thing. There's not a player or an offense or uh, in the world that knows this better and just is able to get the ball out so fast, whether it's to Gronkowski, obviously Amendola, um, doing a, to, to playing better than ever, coming off his best game as a pro. But let's admit it. Let's be honest. Amendola, who was a bust maybe his first year or so when he signed that deal, which by today's terms wasn't even that big. I think it's like a $36 million deal or something, maybe $40 million. That guy has come up huge for him in these big games. So I think if they, I think the counteracted is uh, the Belichick and Brady-led offense. Get the ball out early. Use an extension of that, um, the passing game as an extension of the running game. And I, I think it's going to be tough. And then you got the only other thing that I really like is, um, you know, Deion Lewis is healthy. And uh, Pyrolytics posted a, a, um, a tweet a couple days ago that said, in the 20 games that Deion Lewis has had more than 20 total yards, they've won. They're 20 and 0. Um, wow. Yeah. And I think he's going to get 20 yards in this game. He's been awesome. The way that they use that guy is second to none. Um, so it, it should be, it should be interesting. I, I think that that's, that's what boil. That is in my opinion, the game is the Eagles defensive line going to, or defense going to put pressure, hurry, and turn Brady into a guy that's pissed off at his offensive line and yelling and an angry Brady who doesn't play as well, in my opinion? Or is Brady going to be moving and, and they're going to throw up 25 first downs in this game? I think that's it's pretty much it, – it's one or the other. And if I was putting my money on something, while well, I love the Eagles' D, I just feel like um, – I just feel like I, I, in, 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 in the Patriots I trust a bit more. Well, a few things. One, Valverde. Nice. Two, uh, we, so, you know, a little preview. You talked about us talking props towards the end. And for the, the, well, the pyromaniacs out there, if you've, if you've looked at the props, there are so freaking many. I mean, the color of Bill Belichick's hoodie. Will he or won't he wear a hoodie? All this stuff. So I was trying to do a little bit of research, but there's so goddamn many. How can you do it? But the one that I did write down that I think is important is exactly what you said. Eagles total sacks. 2.5 is the where it's sitting right now. I kind of think it's going to go over, but in my mind, I wrote that one down because I think that is so key. So it was interesting to hear you talk about that because I think if the Eagles are going to have a chance, that's why I put this one down. If it is over the two and a half sacks, then it might be a game. If he can get some pressure, or if the, the front line can get some pressure, on Tom, he does get frustrated. Uh, and Schwartz, I know him. I know him well. He, uh, he was a Lions coach. I just tweeted out the uh, Jim Schwartz, Jim Harbaugh rumble in the jungle uh, not too long ago. And if he can come up with a scheme, I think he's a good defensive coordinator, but I think that is definitely the key. Can they frustrate Brady? Can they put him on his back? Can they even just not even sacking him, but just get contact with him, knock him down? Uh, that's going to be important. But, you know, Bilicek, he's so good at taking away the opponent's best player. So 
they just don't have a lot of guys I think that can step up. Philly, I mean, you know, they're playing Nick Foles, not the the Wentz, the the stud that we saw at the beginning of the year. You got Ajayi halfway through the season. Blunt, I mean, you know, great red zone guy. Are they going to even get there? Corey Clement, you know, great uh, flash player once in a while. But besides that, there's not too much. Nelson Aguilar, possession receiver, Alshon Jeffrey, Torrey Smith. Yeah, he came out of the closet, the retirement, basically, uh, last week and actually did something. But, you know, I think I think they're going to shut down Ertz, and I think they're going to be befuddled. I really do, and I think the, the Patriots are going to run away with it. And on the Patriots' side, God, they got so many weapons. Deion Lewis, but as any Deion Lewis owner knows, now he's been on fire lately, but part of the headache is, you know, all of a sudden it'll be a Burkhead week or, or James White will go off. And they've just got so many guys that can do it. Amendola can step up. Hogan is back. Uh, Gronk is, you know, had the concussion a couple weeks ago, but they've just got so many guys to go to. Philly doesn't have that. So it was interesting you said the sacks because I think that is the one thing that can make this an interesting game if they can fluster Brady, but I don't know. I just think you've got a hell of a coaching staff assembled. Belichick, uh, Josh Daniels, Matt Patricia, all these guys have job interviews basically lined up. Uh, I just think they're too good at what they do. And I'm sad to say it's going to be a runaway. I I hope I am wrong just for a fan, but uh, I think Brady's going to handle this one easily and write his name into the history books. Yeah, which he already is. He's alone at five, so he just furthers himself uh, away from that. I think here's the thing. Deion Lewis, I think he's going to be the workhorse. Uh, He's averaging 25 touches uh, over the last four games. Um, So they're obviously using him. He's healthy. Um, I thought I saw a great tweet by Evan Silva, um, which I thought just kind of shows you what happens. Um, But – During the regular season uh, this year, Brady was averaging 37 pass attempts per game. Um, Not this year. Actually, the last three seasons. So from 2014, four seasons since 2014 to 2017 in the regular season. Sorry. uh, Regular season, 37 passing attempts for Brady. In the playoffs over that time, 46.6. So, during the playoffs, they're a passing team, and they don't care about it. They're psyched to have Deion Lewis, but they, with with just the amount of weaponry they've got, even with Edelman out, um, I think that it's just going to be Brady sitting back there and picking them apart and, um, you know, doing those those methodical drives that you saw what they even when they weren't scoring and doing great in the first half a couple weeks ago. They, they wore down that uh, Jacksonville defense by the fourth quarter. You know, they say the old adage that a strong workhouse sports running back can beat the team down, and Eric Dickerson and guys like that can start busting it out uh, and breaking it away when the guys are tired and they don't want to get hit anymore. That's what, that's what the, uh, the Patriots do. And I think that the Eagles um, are going to – be worn down by the end of the game, even if it's tight or not. But that's why I think they better get up early because it's going to be similar where it's just like these these 13-play, 10-play um, drives that maybe even just end up in a field goal for Goskowski. They make their mark on, um, on the defense. And let's be honest, right now, because of the reasons you said in that weaponry, I can see Nick Foles and the Eagles offense having a lot more three and out and uh, you know, or six and under uh, play drives and punting than than the um, than the Patriots. So 
it, it, it'll be interesting. I think it's uh, it's it, it's it's going to be it's going to be it's going to be a great game. I mean, some of the matchups that I think that are are, are pretty important uh, as well um, is when you're thinking about um, Brandon Cooks. You know, he's going against uh, Patrick Robinson, who um, I mean, Patrick Robinson's not fast. Um, he's like a four six guy and you got him guarding Brandon cooks. Um, it, it could be when there is a play and when there is a chance to go deep, because that, that safety is going to have to be, um, matched up and worried about Gronk. Um, there's going to be a lot of open. If you, if you, if you take cooks deep and, and you double him, uh, Darby's moving over there and doubling him cooks, then you just open up the middle for Gronk. If it's vice versa, and you've got, um, let's say they put Darby, who's a lot faster on Cooks. Now you've got a great safety that you need for Gronkowski um, and other parts of the field, worrying about a guy that they might just be doing Randy Moss style and just sending him deep just so that they can pull him away. Um, I think there's so much weapons, so many weapons, short, medium, and long, at Brady's disposal. You know, disposal. Yeah. That and he nobody knows how to use that better. No one knows how to in game change the plan. I mean, think about it. Think about that. The the first quarter to the second quarter is like almost a different game plan for McDaniel's and, and Belichick. At halftime, they come back and they're like, "All right, we know what these guys are up to." Brady already probably knows before the game goes in. He's done so much, uh, you know, film study. But they, they just it, 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 it's impossible to outmatch them. Um, yep. I just really feel that way. And then on the flip side, um, I, I feel like Alshon Jeffrey, obviously having a great year, been coming up big in these playoffs as well. Him and Foles seem to be um, definitely on the, on the same page, which is great. I can't – the only player I can see being more of a threat to Alshon, and obviously like you said, Xavier Rose last week was hobbling around, is Stephon Gilmore. The, Gilmore isn't as awesome as Rhodes, but – Damn close. He's a big boy. He takes that big guy on. And I mean, right now I'm thinking that uh, Stephon Gilmore can can shut Alshon Jeffrey's ass down. Um, well, I, I a couple things here. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna t- take on a little bit of a trek yeah, sure. <laughs> for a bit here, but um, you know, a couple things. You're to go off right what you were saying, Stephon Gilmore. I agree. I think he can totally shut down Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, I said. If there was a hope and a prayer, we both kind of said it's the, the front seven, the front uh, defensive line attack for Philly. Also, offensively, I think Nelson Aguilar, if anybody's going to get it done, he's going to be matched up with Eric Rowe. That's the weak point on uh, the defense in their secondary. Like you said, Butler, Gilmore, Butler's going to be on Smith. He and Gilmore is going to be on Jeffrey. But Eric Rowe, their slot corner, he can get got. I think Aguilar, even though he's only a possession receiver, he could move the chains and keep some drives going if they can pick up on row. But like you said, God, there's so many guys that the Patriots can go to. They can stretch the field. Uh, backs coming out of the backfield. They can go across the middle. They've got so many mismatches at all facets of the game, long, medium, and short. I just don't see it being too much of a problem. And I love I hate, but I also love Bill Belichick's philosophy. And I was telling my students, you know, when you set a goal, you've got all these teams now, high school football teams, writing down goals. We want to have 
less than five penalties the next game. In the next game, we want to hold them to, you know, 80 rushing yards or less. Well, that's great. Those are awesome goals. And I think we need to set those goals in life. But with Belichick's guys, it's not that you want to win the game. It's not even that you want to score a touchdown. It's not that even you want to get a first down. It's you want to come off the ball. You're thinking these small steps. If I can come off the ball, if I can come out of my three-point stance faster, that's my first goal. Once I meet that goal, then I just need to get my pads lower than the guy across from me. Once I meet that goal, I'm going to keep my elbows in and get leverage on them. Once I meet that goal, I'm going to put my head on the right side of the, uh, his shoulder pad so I can block left. You know, you have all these little small goals, and I love that philosophy. A lot of times in life, we see uh, too far. We're always looking down the road, and we never get there because we stumble along the way, or uh, we, we don't do all the little necessary steps along the way. And that's what one thing I really love about the Belichick philosophy is to basically do your job, but do the little things. And if you secure those little things, the bigger stuff will happen. And a lot of times people get all hyperventilating and freak out about all the stuff they have to do in life. You know, it's so much easier to take care of the little things. And the Patriots do that. That Patriot philosophy, I think is beautiful. I really do. And I think you can apply it to life. Um, I, I've been using it with my students and I'm trying to apply it to my life as well. Do the little stuff. Don't worry about the big stuff. Take care of the little things so that in the end, you can do the big stuff. You know, now, a great a great book that maybe you're aware of or maybe you've read because, you, you know, you're a teacher and you do this stuff for your kids. But I actually, um, I usually read, but I'm more of like a, a, you know, a mystery and thriller kind of guy. I've got a lot of characters that I love and I read all their books. So um, there's never a moment that I can't pick up a book when I'm when I'm done with my other one. Right now I'm doing a lot of Lincoln Rhyme books by Jeffrey Deaver. I love that character, a uh, guy in a wheelchair. But I, I bought an audio book a couple weeks ago called The Obstacle is the Way. And it's by Ryan Holiday. And um, a lot of people in the sports uh, are using this. And basically it's all about what that is, you know, uh, uh, Marcus Aurelius um, essentially coined it amongst other uh, Roman philosophers is like the, the issue at hand is the way the obstacle itself is the way of overcoming it and not letting it beat you, but making yourself always working hard to overcome it. Because when you do overcome that obstacle, there's always going to be another one. And there's all, and it's how you respond to that. Um, great, great book. I'm really only about, um, and I, I'm reading books on tape. So while I'm working, I got my headphones on. Uh, last night I was doing some stuff and I listened to an hour of it. Um, but awesome, awesome book. Talks about a lot of stories. Kind of Malcolm Gladwell-esque of, of stories of real people in history, um, ranging from Marcus Aurelius to Obama, you know, and just people that, that succeed, um, uh, just aren't, aren't aren't the people like you said that crumble under under issues so check that out if you're listening to us and you're looking for a great inspirational book um it's definitely you know I'm, I'm reading the book on tape but i can just tell it's a it's not like one of these just really out too smarty pants of a book for you that you're like what i'm I feel like i'm reading a history lesson it's really interesting um here's we'll, we'll talk about a few more things and then we'll get into some other fun stuff um you know even if let's say that the let's say the Eagles win, um, I think it goes almost without saying. Maybe there's some arguments. There's a handful of coaches, but wouldn't you say that Belichick already, even if he even if he loses, is the best coach 
in the history of sports, professional sports. I mean, is there another, it doesn't matter what sport, baseball, football, basketball, you know, friggin' hockey, whatever you want. Is there anyone else that's even really up there with them? Well, the philosophy, his philosophy, I don't know if you can beat it. Uh, the one, you know, the book I do want to read, and I just wrote down the obstacles away. Um, in fact, before I get to my coach, who I'm going to bring up, we, have you ever heard of the kid Austin Hatch? He was uh, going to go to the University of Michigan basketball player. Sort of. We had him into uh, well, we had him into the, the school I teach at today. This kid, he's he's still a kid. Uh, he was recruited to Michigan to play basketball. He was in a plane crash with his dad. His dad was flying, loses his mom, loses, I want to say, his brother and sister. So it was only he and his dad left. Really tough. His dad was, you know, badly burned. Got to get over that. He's only a little kid. His dad gets over it. You know, he gets over it. Uh, Dad finds another nice lady who they had lost their father. And so now they remarry. Austin thinks of this new lady as mom. He's got two new sisters, loving family. He signs... I think at Michigan, he did sign at Michigan, I believe. And then nine days after he signed, his dad was flying him again and gets in a second plane crash and his dad dies. And Austin couldn't walk. His brain, you know, couldn't, couldn't put one foot in front of the other. This kid survived two plane crashes, both of them wiping out the totality of his family. Oh, and I forgot to say his um, mom died. His new stepmom died as well um, with the dad. Just amazing that he was able to survive two plane crashes. He ends up walking again, trains himself to walk, and then plays basketball. He had to move away from Michigan. It was just too heavy, too hard, and had to move away. Uh, Ends up going out in California to play ball. And now, of course, he's kind of starting these um, motivational speeches. But uh, talk about obstacles in your way and using it to shape your life. Uh, it, was, it was quite an impactful story. They did a 30 for 30 on them on uh, ESPN. I suggest checking it out. It's, it's very good. Very good. I will check that out. Maybe the dad should have stopped flying, not to put too many more light on that's, I know. That's what I was thinking. But Austin, one of the kids, one of the kids, one of the kids asked him, uh, how do you feel about your dad? And he said, I think my dad is the man of the millennium. And he kind of went on to say, I couldn't have done it without my dad. I was lost. We, we did the plane crash, took my mom, took my family, but it was because of my dad. It was because of the one-on-one basketball games we had that I kept going, and, and he taught me how to keep going. And if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have been able to keep going after he died. So that's what I thought too, you know, but just Dude, the strength got, to be able to do it. Thought. I got one thought. Valverde. Valverde. Now, my – What are you drinking before you go I on with your I'm drinking Centennial IPA. I've been on the Ellison Crescent Fresh kick lately, but I think I've drank us out of house and home. So I'm on my usual standby Centennials. What about you? I'm doing a Penrose Taproom IPA. Um, I'm pretty good, man. It's got a nice little, it's a nice beer. It's out of Geneva. been drinking a lot of, uh, my, I walk to work now, which is great. We moved our offices to literally a half, about a mile, a little less than a mile away from where I live. Um, so, and you've been here a couple of times. So I walk to work now and I walk by a Mariano's and a Whole Foods and they both have sick uh, beer selection options, uh, a lot of local options. So, you know, I, 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 I'm moving around and checking out a lot of local breweries that are canning, you know, everyone's canning these days. 
Yeah. Um, so I'm super fired up. But this is Penrose, really good. Um, do have amazing news. You know, like my favorite beer. We've talked about beer a ton when we're together. But my favorite beer ever is that High Life from Cigar City. Oh, okay. just announced this week. Um, Oscar Blues or whatever. Oscar, they bought them. They're out of uh, Colorado somewhere. They bought Cigar City a couple of years ago or a year ago. Um, so now they're canning, they're up there doing bottling and or, or brewing it down in Tampa and in Colorado. They're now going to be distributing to Chicago starting February 19th. So my favorite beer. Oh my God. It's like, it's just like the haziest, juiciest, um, fruitiest. It's the perfect beer in my opinion. High life. I'm going to be able to buy that stuff. So good times, good times. I'm pretty fired up for 20 days from now to go to a store and be like, highlight me up locally. It could be trouble on my uh, liver waistline and buzz fa- and wake up factor. But we'll, 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 we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Um, well, like good, good times ahead then. Good times ahead. Absolutely. So let's get back a little bit on the Super Bowl. You yeah, and one thing I wanted to say was uh, Bill Belichick, I think, is for sure uh, coach of the all sports, perhaps. But the one book that Belichick, I've heard him talk about, the Bill Walsh book, when he uh, wrote basically how to not just be a coach, but be a GM, be an owner, basically how to run a football organization from top to to bottom so i mean i I do love the belichick philosophy as just a straight-up coach but if you're looking sort of uh, vertically at you know special teams offensive line coach all the way up to uh you know ceo i guess uh, owner everything in between the guys who were going out to uh, scout people the bill walsh just really understood the whole structure of the game. And I know his book is often reported to be on, you know, every coach's shelf, Uh, just fantastic insight. So that's another one on my bucket list of books. I want to read. Love it. I'll I'll read that one too. Bill Walsh is the only close coach across any sport. In my opinion, I would like to say, um, I would like to say Bill Jackson as well. I I was thinking of him. He had Jordan and Kobe. He had so many great players. Right. And and then when he didn't uh, recently, I think he was just kind of getting old or whatever, but he he kind of, he kind of hurt his legacy. He should have just retired and um, up on top. But um, he, he was a great teacher of the life and the way and reading books and having that mindset that it wasn't just everything about X's and O's. It was about being a well-rounded person. So yeah, Bill Walsh definitely changed the game. Like probably no other player you, I posted on Twitter uh, less than a month ago, the Bill Walsh uh, coaching tree, go check it out. Bill Belichick is a member of it. Essentially every coach over the last 20, 30 years is um, he is the trickle down effect. Uh, for it but as I talk about Belichick here's how I'll segue it over to um, you know Doug Peterson so Peterson's an aggressive coach has been all season Um, he 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 goes for it you know he likes to take chances he goes on fourth down a lot Um, he's not a puss Um, I pray to God whatever happens in this game that the game doesn't become too big or this scared, this in awe of the coach on the other side. And I hope Doug Peterson takes some chances and plays his style of coaching. Um, And I just hope that that happens because sometimes what happens when you get in this big game, you try and like, you just change for whatever reason, you just change things. Even the Patriots have done it in their two losses. It was like, 
The one year where they almost went undefeated in 2008, they, they got in the Super Bowl and they like did a di- they played a different game. They thought it was like they were doing it right, but it was just weird. So hopefully Peterson plays his style and, and does his thing because we saw what happened, um, you know, with Marone, Doug Marone last year. You could just see in that second half the Belichick and the Doug Marone. It was you could just tell that Marone was outmatched. Yeah. It was just like you just it, knew it was the same way I felt when uh when we used to have Lovey Smith as the Bears coach. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Lovey's a great guy, but game in-game um alterations and changes, in-game emotion, in-game um just just the the look of the guy, it just it, it was just a dreadful. Um Marone in that second half just looked like he knew he was going to lose when it started. Um, so I just hope that Peterson lives up to the moment because I think he's a great coach. Um, whatever happens, he's got this this team and this job for a while. But I think what he how he brings his aggressiveness and his leadership both for the offensive side and being taking chances, and then especially for the defensive cha- side, not being scared to take these you know kind of exotic packages and blitzing. Like just do you and lo- live or win or die, uh, live or die by being you and give it all you got because um, you know just these these new players. Eagles, the Eagles haven't been. They never won a Super Bowl. They they've only been in a, a few of them. Um, you know, this is a bigger thing, and I think when you when you think about the game, and you saw it last year, you saw it last, two weeks ago with the Patriots. It's like, remember the Jaguars? Like, we're winning that bitch, uh, yeah. Ramsey. We're winning that. Everyone talking smack, and then after the game, it's like we got Brady. Oh, we just played Belichick and Brady. They just did their thing. We got, you know, we're just another example of getting out coached and out beat. It's just, it's just, and somehow these guys can mind fuck people. Well, and how many times do you see it in even like the two minute drill? Uh, Andy Reid, Peterson mentor for so many years. God, you know, he's a great coach, but in certain situations when the pressure's on you, he can blow a two minute drill and that can happen. Or the, the game script gets away from you just a little bit and you think you got to change everything. And, you know, they're walking on a tight line over there. I think a lot of that stuff can happen. You're looking across the field, you're seeing Brady. So maybe you're making some changes. We got to do some things because it's Brady or Belichick. You get down a little bit and you, your head starts getting, you know, playing games with you. And I can see that certainly happening to the Eagles. Not that they don't have good coaches. Jeez. I mean, you got Schwartz, uh, Frank Wright. Even there, uh, they got two guys that are, might be up for the Giants job. John Filippo and uh, Deuce Staley uh, are in consideration for taking over the Giants. So they've got a good staff amongst them. I just don't think they've got the weapons and, like you said, the the Brady to do it. I, he's just a magic man that you can never count him out. Yeah. Uh, last thing I've got to say on this is just, you know, something to watch out Um is the Ertz factor. You know, I think Ertz is going to be that one X factor um, for the Eagles. Uh, he's obviously had a, a good couple, um, a good, good playoff run uh, in these last couple games, but uh, we'll see. You know, I think he needs to have a huge game, I think. And I like your call. I agree that Aguilar could be that X factor and, and kind of get lost in some sort of coverage and, and just kind of be uh, wide open um, at a time. But um Let's see. I hope. Uh, I thought. I think the Eagles are a good enough team that 
And I know, you know, you, you, you hear the adage that like Marino and other players, you get there uh, and you think you're going to get back. Even the Eagles that got there in 2004 or whatever, you know, I think that team probably thought they were going to get there for a couple more years with McNabb and, 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 and that, that defense and that team. And it's just hard to get back there for everyone except for the Patriots. Um, and yeah. And I, I, I just think that hopefully they live up to the moment. But I do think that the Eagles getting uh, Wentz back, I do think that they're the best team in the NFC for uh, a, a, some years to come if they keep it intact. Uh, it becomes harder if you win it and lose it. But um, I'm yeah. with you. I'm with you. I just, I, you know, Belichick, they always look to take out the opponent's best weapon. And that's why I think they're going to take Ertz out. And when he's not going to be open, he's not going to be the safety net there for Foles. I could see him getting in trouble. That's why I'm saying I, I love the Aguilar uh, possession guy. He can dump off some passes. This is a, a Dave T. Thomas favorite from a while back. He liked him a lot. And uh, he finally starting to step it up. So, again, that's my – out of all the outcomes, I think most of them are negative for Philly, but of all the outcomes, if they're going to have a positive one, I think it's that the front line on the defense and, you know, can they do it without Ertz if indeed they successfully take him out of the game? Totally. Well, it's supposed to be, not that it matters because the, um, the U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis is uh, indoor, um, pretty awesome stadium. I posted uh, an architectural um uh, article about the stadium uh, earlier this week and, and you know just if you're listening and you're on twitter you're a new fan make sure you check out uh, the pyro account on twitter it's at p-y-r-o-m-a-n the number one a-c mo let the uh, people know your uh, pyro ha- your uh, the handle um on twitter on twitter you can uh follow me at pyromaniac mo on twitter and i tell you what sir before we go on to break, I've got a trivia question for you that you might have even set up inadvertently earlier. <laughs> nice. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. All right, baby. So earlier, you said that Brady was the only one to have five Super Bowl rings. Now, I got to tell you, there's Eddie DeBartolo, who's got five, but not a player. There's Robert Kraft, also five, but again, not a player. So you've got Brady, DeBartolo, Kraft. There is indeed one other player besides Brady that has five rings. And obviously Belichick has five as well. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah, Belichick has five, yep. So one other player that has five. Correct. Well, this is like the... Uh... This is like the 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 uh, the Hori. Remember, Charles? What was the guy from basketball that was on the Lakers and then the Spurs? Robert Ori. Robert Ori. Yeah, it's it's a situation like that. It is. It's not. I, I want to say Charles Haley, but I think that's going to be wrong. Oh, go with your gut, brother. Charles Haley. Indeed, Charles Haley did it with the the 49ers and the Cowboys. I didn't look into it too closely, but if memory serves, didn't. Didn't Dallas get three in the 49ers bookend them there or something like that? Yeah, he had it. Yeah, he had one. I think Haley had one as a r- real early in his career in that 89. Um, in the 89 one uh, against Denver, maybe there was one in 91. Maybe, and, then no, goes, 
goes to Dallas and then comes yeah. back. And then he got right? a three with Dallas, and then I think he was on that. Uh, um, I think he might have been on. No, no, that's not right. He got two with the Niners, and then he went to Dallas and got three. Okay. I know it was definitely with the Niners and Dallas. I didn't look to see exactly how it was. I thought it was Niners, Dallas, Niners. I know it was with two teams. I thought it was over a couple stretches. But uh, you know, I'm a Niners fan, and both, I, I will tell you to this day, one, there's a great um, uh, football life with Charles Haley that came out a couple years he's ago. He's kind of crazy, right? He's nuts. He's like, yeah, he's nuts. But he's, he's, he's become normal. But, you know, that was the worst trade in San Francisco history. They wanted his nuttiness off the team, but they should have never traded him to the uh, the Cowboys. They're, yeah. they're you know arch rivals because literally in that in that uh, uh, football life, both I think Bledsoe, not Bledsoe, excuse me, uh, Aikman and uh, Michael Irving said the minute that we scored Charles Haley, we became a Super Bowl team. He was such a beast in yeah. the locker room and on the field. They were like. He, they they literally credit him as being the changing force that turned them into a dynasty. And yeah. that's, if the Niners just traded him to, to the Browns or somebody, they probably would have saved that. Uh, I felt the same way about the Deion Sanders. I know. Deion, I was just going to say Deion, yeah. Deion and Rice didn't get along, but Deion, they brought Deion over. They won that Super Bowl. They crushed the – and then they, they let him sign as a free agent. The 49ers were so stupid. They should have thrown so much ridiculous funny money at him just so no one else could get him. And it doesn't even matter if, if he was a shitty in the locker room. Just don't – that team was good enough that just don't have Rice have to go against Dion, and they were going to win more Super Bowls with uh, Steve Young. Yeah, Rice didn't like him, and then he gets to Dallas, and Michael Irvin didn't like him. But, of course, getting some W's can uh, put put down a lot of locker room tension once you win, you know? Absolutely. I love, uh, last thing I was saying, then we'll, we'll listen to this ad, but I love the new Pepsi commercial where it's like, and we were with the Eagles, and this is 1996, Deion Sanders. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Didn't expect that. It's just like, it's like what up, bro? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Love that guy. All right. Let's listen. Uh, let's take a minute and listen. Not a minute. Take uh, a little bit and do us a favor and help us keep the lights on and listen to this word from our sponsor. Sweet. You got another question for me? I do have another question for you. Um, are we on right now? I'm sorry. Yeah, we're on. Oh, my bad. All right. Uh, I do. I do have a question. I've got a. You know me, man. I got a bunch of questions. Cool. Um. Is this boy. the? Is this mic on? It is. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. I am gonna choose. This one's kind of a tough one, I suppose. I, I tried to get some old school Super Bowl ones, some kind of gimme ones, maybe a couple for you. Um, but this one really surprised me, I think. Which of these running backs never was named Super Bowl MVP? And I think if you think about it, it, it makes sense. I'm, and I've got some multiple choice here for you. So once again, which of these running backs was never named Super Bowl MVP. Thurman Thomas. We're going old school with Larry Zonka. Terrell Davis. And a throwback to John Riggins. Again, Thurman Thomas, Larry Zonka, Terrell Davis, John Riggins. One was never named a Super Bowl MVP. 
I'm going to go with um, Terrell Davis. The answer, Pyromaniacs at home, surprised me, Thurman Thomas. Now, I have to believe after thinking about it, because I was thinking, Jesus, my whole youth, Buffalo was in, in the Super Bowl. But then I thought, boy, he never won. So maybe that was the deal that he did great, but he never won a Super Bowl, so they didn't give it to him. But yeah, Thurman Thomas. I, was, whole- I thought you were tricking me somehow there, and he had won – he had won the, uh, the the MVP, but didn't win. So I should have gone. I should have gone with the more obvious answer. Um, how, do you, how do you think Thurman Thomas sleeps and Marv Levy and, and Jim Kelly and all those boys? I bumped into uh, Marv Levy this summer at Harry Carey's after watching a Cubs playoff game. Said hi to him. He's like ninety five, dude. He still looks young. He looks the same as he did when he was on the sideline for those Super Bowls. So he must be sleeping fine. Um, <laughs> I think uh, Norwood's probably not sleeping very well. Um, but, yeah, I, I, you know, I think here, they got made up for They made up for it where the, all the guys are in the Hall of Fame. So yeah. You're able, you're able to kind of, you know, Reed, Thurman, um, Bruce Smith. I mean, even isn't, isn't Cornelius Bennett a Hall of Famer? I believe. Yeah, like the, the, the whole – like so many of these guys made the uh, – there's even the other linebacker that was a no-name guy. Um, but, yeah, it's got to be pretty tough. Um, Don't you think? I mean, geez. So many chances year in, year out. And they were always great in uh, AFC. But, God, they get there and get blown out. Yeah, it's got to be got to be a real bummer. Um, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I don't know how – I don't know. I, I, four, it was, the thing about it, it was, it was four straight years. Yeah. It wasn't like we did it four times over eight years. It was four years, four losses. So, all right, I should have I should have said Thurman. I don't know why I was, I was trying to get tricky there and thinking that he won it but didn't win the game. Probably dumb of me. Um, all right, I think we're good on, on Super Bowl talk, unless you got anything else again. I no, think- man, I just – I hope it's a good one. I hope there's some action. If they are going to blow them out, wait till the end at least – uh, I just I hope it's a good one. I want to see some good football because I'm already itching and thinking about ways I can get better for next year. You know, totally, totally. That's that that's great, and I think I think that's a good segue for us. Where um, you know this kind of seg- segment two here, it's going to be. I'll, I'll I'll give you some of my thoughts, and and we'll have a nice discussion here. But really, what I wanted to do when we were doing the prep and, and talking about this show is just kind of. Um, peek into your mind, you know, pull the curtain back on, on Pyromaniac Mo and, and talk about some of the, uh, the, the, the things that you do, reflections of a, of a season, you know, doing the whole audit of, of, of the one we just went through uh, and the fantasy season and the teams we had, um, you know, in the last six months. But also um, on the flip side of that, or five months uh, on the flip side of that, also wanted to get a sense from you, someone who's a real practitioner and, a, and an expert in fantasy football. What are some of the things that you do here in the early part? Um, you know, the Super Bowl is going to be in four or five, in four days. The Super Bowl is going to be played and NFL's over. This 2017 season's done. We get, um, we got to wait until, you know, the first thing I guess is, you know, combines next month. And, but we got to wait a while until the next, uh, you know, season starts. And I want to know what you end up doing. So, and how you prepare yourself early. Um, cause I know you are a year round type of guy. 
so here's what I'll do. I'll just let you kind of run with it for a minute, if you would. Uh, I'm gonna quickly go uh, take care of something and grab a right. grab a beer. If you could just uh, run with it for a minute or so, and I'll be uh, listening. I got you, man. Uh, Send up a flare when I've talked too long. But yeah, this is the time I really think if you, you don't even have to be psychotic about it, like most of us are. You know, one of the great things, MFL 10, if you didn't know, they're moving to Fanball, which is uh, my my boy there, Paul Chargian and that crew. They are coming back. They, They came back this year. Fanball did with some DFS and MFL tens have moved over. So all the MFLs are active on Fanball. I believe there's this long write-up. I believe if you've had accounts on MFL 10, you can still see all your past teams and you can still check all your data and stuff. It's all going to get switched over, but going forward, it's going to be all the same stuff, same rules, same everything, but going forward, it's going to be housed at Fanball. But I really like using the MFL 10s. Now, I was trying to think about uh, why to using MFL 10s and how many. Really, why is the live drafting? MFL 10, you're paying money, right? And it's a best ball strategy. But still, and not all of them, you can select your own how you want to draft. But usually it's live people. Oftentimes there's money, you know, 10 bucks, MFL 10. And that really makes the difference, right? I think they're far more reliable for ADPs, uh, average draft position, than if you're just using a mock site, ESPN, CBS, whatever. Almost always, a percentage of the drafters on the mocks, uh, they're not there, right? Maybe they uh, only get, I don't know, 10 spots, but you know, two guys quit really early or they leave the room or, or they miss their picks. So that means a lot of those picks are just getting select, selected off the draft board whatever is next it, it it's just f- a self-fulfilling prophecy if you will so mfl 10s you're getting live people who have something invested plus a lot of those mock drafts maybe they are all live people but by round nine a lot of people are dropping out so i really think mfl 10 people are invested they're sticking in it the whole way you're going to get a better litmus test of how things are going Thanks. now you don't get yeah go for it so uh, with MFL 10s, you know, I, I, a lot of people I respect. Honestly, I've never done one. Um, I, I don't think I'm ever going to do one, uh, but I love them. I think I love the the concept of them. Um, how many did you do? How many do you think you did last year? When when can you start doing them again for next season? I mean, are, you can't already do an MFL 10 for 2018, can you? No, I, I want to say February, though. They, they come out. They come out super early. I want to say February, March, they come out. Now, how did you do on some of your MFL 10s last year? Did you have any teams that you won? I was all over the board. I had one where I I won one. I think I did seven last year. Uh, I won one. I was like last place in one. And then actually I did pretty well. I think I was in top five in four of them. And then the other three, I was bottom five. And like I said, I was almost dead last in, in my another one. So I did fairly well. I, I didn't make my money back by any means, but I like it. It's exciting. It's something you can check in with. And I was kind of thinking, you don't have to go crazy. Honestly, you know, this year I'll probably do more. And I've talked to a lot of people in the industry and that's kind of how it goes. The first couple of years you dabble 
and then all of a sudden you get kind of hooked and before you know what you're doing you know 50 of them you don't have to go off the deep end you really don't i was kind of thinking of it i would say you need to do five but maybe because of this piece on pyro right now you don't even need to do that my first thought is you got to do one right now everything is fresh in your head before you and let's face it uh the greeks they had the dionysian festival so you know you you live a good righteous life you uh do you look both ways before crossing the street you say yes ma'am thank you ma'am all that good stuff but then for a couple weeks in the year yeah kick back your party you give thanks to dionysus the goddess of or the god of wine and you throw down why do you do that because we need a safety belt right you need to live sort of uh in between uh in in the balance so we all need a little bit of balance we all need to blow off some steam after fantasy but do one while it's fresh in your head and maybe you can talk about this you might not even need to because the piece that's on pyro right now uh you've got some tears created on pyro that sell it for me it's not exactly someone's rankings how did the tiers that's up on pyromaniac right now how did these get created they are standard scoring so basically what stag party does every year is um we you know we're big tiers i think we're one of the big sites that kind of uh, pushed tiers from the very beginning i can't remember another site that pushed them earlier than we did um, it's a big, big thing here for us at Pyro. So at the end of the season, what we like to do is, is actually have, you know, kind of the year end version, we call it end of season tiers. That isn't kind of like, Hey, here's who we, if we did it ourselves now, kind of like you see some of the site, if you redrafted that terrible class of 2013, right. here's what would happen. It's actually based on the scoring. So we know that Russell Wilson had 343 points and, Cam Newton was second with 297. And then what Stag Party does is he creates tiers based on the year-end actual scoring. And it's awesome because Stags does his tiers. You do your tiers. I do my tiers. Waz does his tiers. Houdini does his tiers. Everyone out there does their tiers that's into tiers. And you can look at this, and it's like final results on the left side. Put your tiers next to it, and you can be like, all right. Where was I wrong? What did what happened here? What could I have done better? And again, going back in that um, reflections on a season kind of aspect. And if you do do tears, check out this site on our a piece on our site. I, lo- I launched it, uh, posted it two days ago. Um, it's a mountain range, and it's 2017 end of tears. Uh, great piece for you to see every position: quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight ends, and um, basically based on the scoring that each player got. Uh, Stag Party takes the time and, and buckets them into their tiers based on their real scoring. So to give you a highlight, um, you know, for wide receivers, I'll give you the first. Uh, I'll give you the first three tiers. It's uh, DeAndre Hopkins and Antonio Brown are in tier one for wide receivers. Tier two is Keenan Allen, Tyreek Hill, Marvin Jones, and Julio Jones. Um, and then tier three is a bigger bucket of guys. Uh, that are all kind of within all these guys are within nine points of one another. Uh, Michael Thomas, Brandon Cooks, AJ Green, Larry Fitzgerald, Adam Thielen, Devontae Adams, Jarvis Landry, and Doug Baldwin. And then the next tier, tier four, starts with Robbie Anderson. So basically, for all the positions, I think it's a great way for you to look and see all right, 2000s in the rearview mirror. How did things end up? Yeah. It's it's exactly my starting point. I said, if you're going to do MFL 10s, or what you can do is you don't even have to do MFL 10s. You don't have to pay the money. You can see the ADPs 
on the MFL 10. So you can take the most recent MFL 10s, all of which are exactly what I was talking about. Guys that paid money, they're invested. You know, a human being drafted every single one. It didn't go off some chart from CBS or anything like that. Everybody's invested. That's exactly what you want. This is a great starting point. So this is where I would start. You've got uh, exactly the tiers on Pyromaniac. If the season ended exactly like you want it, the next time I would really consider checking MFL 10 or messing around with your tiers, if you're doing a bare minimum, would be March 14th, right? That's uh, the trade when trades really start to happen. Uh, free agency, uh, or free agency, I guess, starts to happen and trades and whatnot. But after that, once the big names start shuffling around, March 14th, maybe you know three weeks after, move your guys up and down. Uh, guys that swapped teams, but also you got to make adjustments, right? So Alex Smith, he uh, leaves. Big news that we've seen uh, recently. He leaves Washington. So now you not only got to adjust players on Washington, of course, but now you got to adjust guys uh, on Kansas City where he departed from. So that's when you're making your next adjustment after the free agency. And while we're there, what do you think about that, Alex Smith moving into uh, Cousins' old neck of the woods? Well, I think it's 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 there's a lot of a lot of um, secondary parts that it affects. Obviously, mm-hmm. I have read, I've watched, uh, read a bunch of articles on it. Um, you know, basically since news broke last night, and when I was pretending to work today at the office, at the point, <laughs> um, and I watched some videos. I haven't heard one person that thinks it's a good thing for Washington. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a lateral move, obviously. They didn't want to give up the Uber bucks right. to, um, to uh, you know, uh, Kurt, but Kirk, but they gave him a shitload of money. I think something tells me it's more like that Cop- Kaepernick deal where, um, you know, they're like, yeah, 71 guarantees, but they never say guarantee it's signing. Or they've never said it. They said guarantees, but guarantee doesn't mean shit unless it says guaranteed at signing. Um, so it's kind of like, remember when Ka- Kaepernick signed that $100 million deal? I think he got like 30 of it. Yeah. Um, so I will see what the real deal is. It could be a lot of uh, smoke and mirrors, but in general, it's just like, what are, what are, what's Washington expecting here? Um, I, I just don't know. I, I, I like the idea of them going and getting one of these rookie quarterbacks, but then is that going to happen with the money they just gave them? Um, I, I don't know. You, you gave away uh, Fuller as well, DB. Uh, you, you gave away a third rounder, which I think is pretty good. So I, I don't know. I think the, the trade itself works for Washington, other than the fact that they might be hamstrung stuck with this guy as their starting quarterback for four years. And I like Alex Smith. He had his best season as a pro this year. But what are the expectations? You're not telling your your fan base that we're we're going we're going for the gusto. You know, it just doesn't feel like you know that we're trying to really change the culture and become a championship caliber team again by making this move. It sounds a lot like you're trying not to be one of the bottom feeders, which right now is about half the teams in the league uh, from a quarterback position. But you're not in. You're not in. Your your trajectory is not great either. So I don't know. I think in general, I like Alex Smith. I think it's obviously great uh, financially for a number of players. Uh, 
you know, especially Aaron Rodgers. Uh, who else is, is primed to get a, a big signing here? Aaron uh, Luck just got his money. So I think it's, it, it, it's a great thing for Mahomes, obviously. Um, he's drinking the milkshake now. He's the, he's the leader. I think that's exciting because even in that week 17, it, was, it, it looked fun to see him running around and winging that ball. So I think Kansas City's got to be fired up. I remember when Alex Smith uh, got traded from the 49ers and Harbaugh was basically like, it's Kaepernick time. We were pumped. Um, not because we didn't like Alex Smith, you know, not because we don't think he's a good guy or a true professional or a very serviceable quarterback, but it's just not – it's not that – it's not, as as Conor McGregor would say, it's not red panty night, any game that you've got uh, Alex Smith playing. It's, it's, it's pretty much like, um, you know, some old gr- granny panties, cotton underwear. <laughs> You know, he's not sexy, but hell, uh, points per game basis, DraftKings, fourth best fantasy player this season. He's not sexy. However, you know, he only scored one rushing touchdown, and he's got some legs, uh, 355 yards. um, So he can get it done running the ball. Um, Not sexy. 20 didn't even have 30 touchdowns this year 26 but i think the writing is on the wall cousins is going to go out and get some money maybe they're going to try to spend elsewhere and i think you can if you have the right formula you can get it done with a quarterback that is not like an alex smith doesn't make mistakes not sexy and you can get it done if you got a great running back and a solid defense i mean they got some players there on d but uh the running situation is certainly nothing to write home about so i don't know if they have the formula for that I just think the writing was on the wall. There's going to be a lot of guys making moves. Uh, Kirk Cousins is a big one that's up for free agency. Drew Brees. Uh, I just tweeted out a, a list from Roto World of all the free agents. But, you know, Bradford, Keenum, McCown, um, Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, Brock Osweiler, of course, Derek Anderson. So there's not there's a lot of names that are going to be moving places. Not, nobody super huge other than, you know, Bradford, Keenum, perhaps, and Drew Brees. But I think they're going to want to spend somewhere else, and Cousins was going to be too expensive. That's what I think. And I think I think it's going to be an all right move down the line if they can get some other pieces in place. But, uh, yeah, once free agency happens, I mean, God, everything got so shook up last year. That's the next point in which you want to rearrange your tiers play an MFL 10, or at the very least, look at the ADPs. And again, use MFL 10s. I think that's a better litmus test. Um, the, the third one, so even if that was your first, if you use what's on Pyro right now, you want to do your tiers again, look at MFL 10s after free agency, after, a couple weeks after all the trades. Third one, of course, you got the draft. This year's April 26th through the 28th. You know, and at this point now, you just got to plug in the rookies. You've got your tiers basically made. You don't have to touch them that much. You're plugging in the rookies, adjusting anybody they've, you know, the feathers they've ruffled. And that's all you really have to do. Beyond that, you're looking at your uh, next one. And again, if you're using Pyro's uh, tiers right now, this is only the third time you really got to tinker. Mid-July, probably, you know, you're starting to get training camp news it's just some minor fine tuning at this point and then of course preseason gets rolling and maybe that's the fourth time you tinker with your tears so bare minimum if you use what's on pyro right now i think you got to tinker and uh, adjust four times obviously the more you do it 
you know, it's just nice. I, I was at drafts last year where guys are, you know, reminding everybody, oh, no, wait a minute, he got traded. Or, oh, no, wait a minute, you missed the news about this. And if you're in it all year, that stuff just becomes second nature. You don't have to worry about that. You have a much clearer picture if you pay attention all year. And it's just not that hard. Like I say, you do it four times, and at that point, you're just tinkering. You know, we're big believers in in looking at ADP, obviously, but big believers in tiers. And if you just keep up on it, it's not this insurmountable thing. Just, you know, don't let it slide too late. I agree. And, and the NFL does such a great job of being always uh, out there and, and front and center that in all honesty, for me, based on, you know, one, I think Twitter is a huge thing. I'm on Twitter all the time for Pyro. So I'm coming and the people I follow are all a lot of fantasy football and beat writers and NFL teams. Like just get Twitter, pop on there. Every time you're taking a deuce and you're, you know, and you don't want to, if you're single and you're sick of swiping left or right, just hop on your Twitter and just read what's going on. It's a great news news source if you're on the bus or in an uber or uh waiting for the doctor or just at lunch and you, you want to pass the time like twitter is such a great way to follow and stay up on this news because i think it's crucial like you said if you're if you're always on it 20 not 24 7 but if you're always on it essentially most days throughout the year you're never playing catch up on the right. news and the happenings and whatnot and you know, however many times you want to update your tiers, it's up to you. A guy like me, every time I bounce back into my tiers, obviously I have to do them about five times for the site. Um, and that's really the only times I do it. But it takes me a while each time. You know, like I think it's just going to be like, okay, all I'm going to have to do is switch on a few guys. But, you know, I stay on the news and I really kind of go and, and pit these guys up against each other. And I, I swear to God, each time I change my tiers, the first batch takes me about 10 hours. Um, and I'm slow. I'm really slow at them. And then the second one takes me about four. And then the next one takes me about four. Next one maybe takes me about three. And then the last one, you know, probably another three or four. Um, so that's a lot of time spent on tears. Granted, I want my tears to look good. And a year later, every time, I'm like, what was I thinking? Oh, my God, I'm a total idiot. I must have not spent any time. No, I actually spent a ton of time on them. You're just an idiot. Um, and that's just nature uh, in, in, in fantasy. But, um, yeah, just stick with this stuff. I think you're right. Like Twitter, staying on top of the news, muscle memory, and then tweaking your tiers and not making it so you're, like, doing them twice during the offseason or the night before a draft or the day before. Right, right. You've done them, like, a couple few weeks before your draft, and then you're coming in the day of, uh, the day before with the most recent news and any injuries, any guys that are risers and fallers, and, and you're tweaking them then. Um, then it's just like you're pretty much that plus your MFL 10s that you do and mock drafts, you pretty much know where you want to go. Um, and I think in general, I think that's a good way to do it. Like this year, as I've said, um, I think I made a lot of bad decisions. So I, I, one of the things I've got to figure out this offseason is how not to move, either not to lock in on guys that I want so much. And I also, in all honesty, I know this is weird, but I'm going to be really respecting. I've always been like my way or the highway. 
I don't need to listen to Evan Silva. I don't need to listen to Stag Party. I don't care who Mo likes. I like who I like. I'm going to be honest. Next This year, one of the things I'm going to do is I'm going to take some outside intel. And, and if I see a guy that has him a lot higher than me and I don't agree with it, I'm going to – and I respect them. Usually I'm like, oh, I, I, I do me. I'm going to have to this year to be a little bit better. Um, take some insight from others because I will be honest. This year I went all Nooner style, all D-Rex, and guys that I was all in on, I was blinded by in drafts. I was like, oh, come back to me. Come back to me. I want this guy. I want this guy. And he'd come back to me, and I'm so narrow focused on this guy and so happy he got to me that what I'm not doing is, yes, I'm going by my tears, but what I'm not doing is I've already got that guy so high in my tears because I love him that it's moved. What I'm not doing is I'm not like organically evaluating what's there. And the fact that maybe I'm a little high on this guy and I can get something else here and still get him. I just went like kind of too high on my guys across the board. Bell Verde. Miss the forest for the trees you do. (laughs) (laughs) You know who that was? I did say Yoda. No, Fozzie Bear. Who the fuck is Yoda? Yes, yes, yes. I just can't do it all that well. You know, um, did the guy that created Fozzie Bear die the other day? And I don't think so. That's Frank Oz, and he do, he does the voice of Yoda. No, I know that. You know, I watched number one, uh, or episode four. Um, yeah. I watched that um, on Sunday night, or yeah, maybe yeah. I watched it last weekend. I got it from Netflix. I hadn't watched it all the way through. And now I'm, I've got a couple other movies going. And then I've got in my queue in the next couple movies, I've got, um, you know, uh, Empire coming next. I mean, I obviously I've seen these movies a hundred times, but I hadn't seen Star Wars start to finish, you know, in 10 years. Dude, I am so geeked. Uh, like, uh, I am. So, <laughs> it's crazy at my house. So I'm trying to introduce all my kids. It's basically on full time play, either episode one or episode four, A New Hope. So I get my kids hooked on it. Those are the most kid friendly. But I'm even on the chat boards discussing the new one, The Last Jedi, and Ryan Johnson's take on the Jedi thing. I've got I've, a bookstore just went out of business right near my house so i bought up all the graphic novels on star wars i'm reading the star wars books in the legendary i am full-on geek mode right now in star wars Uh, thank god you're already married and have a ton ton of kids and um because you you, you, that 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 probably wouldn't be the the fozzy bear impression does not uh, work well at the bars these days with the the kids how did, you like, how did you like what since we're just having our shooting the shit here? How did what were your thoughts on um on The Last Jedi? Did you hate the way they treated uh Luke and the Okay, that is my only thing. I really like it. I liked how Ryan Johnson, you know, JJ Abrams, he kind of I don't know, he kept the same thing going. There was no surprises. You know, and don't get me wrong. I love jo- the Joseph Campbell hero cycle, the template that they got going. I love it. However, I, I like the fact that where Abrams, oh, you always kind of see it. You saw it coming. You knew, you knew it was going to happen. It was kind of supposed to happen. He played on those templates that have been established for a long time. Ryan Johnson gets you looking left, and then he goes right. And he almost kind of did a big F you to a lot of the stuff that Abrams built up. You know, like, uh, oh, you think Ren's parents are important? No. 
Uh, oh, you think Snoke's going to be the next Emperor? No. Like, all of this stuff, he totally shot down. And I like that, because it was surprising. The thing I did not like is the the direction they took Luke Skywalker. Me too. You know? I thought and that's that- why I'm, I'm in the Legends right now, these books that are... Um, I forget the author. Zane... Some Zane. He's fantastic. I'm reading the... Th- it's called the Thrawn Trilogy. But it's five years after the Battle of Endor. There's still all these outlying uh, places that still believe the Empire's in, in power. And there's still a lot of Empire segments that are still struggling for power, you know? Now, now that the power distribution has been unbalanced, yes, the 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 Jedi and the New Republic or the, the, the good guys are winning. But there's still a lot of evil stuff out there. And that's where Luke gets to be Luke. He gets to be this hero that you expect him to be. So I am just digging the books all the more because, yeah, I was kind of crushed with the portrayal of Luke Skywalker and what happened to literally my childhood hero. Yeah, I, I, mine, mine as well. Yeah, the Thrawn trilogy by Timothy Zahn. I'm checking it out. Yeah, uh, yeah, I am so into that right now. You know that they're going to make all this stuff. They're going to make that into a movie. They're going to have one of these every year. And that Thrawn trilogy is going to be um, uh, made into a, a three-part movie. In, in I think it could be for all the backlash on Luke because the Thrawn trilogy, that's got that's Luke, the Luke that you wanted to see. That's the one you see in the Thrawn trilogy. That's awesome. And they'll just figure out who looks the most like Mark Hamill is a good actor and obviously won't be Mark because he's too old and they'll do the, do the Han Solo thing they just did. It's like, all right, we're back. We're back. The, the one thing I do love is the Mark Hamill because, you know, he plays the voice of Joker yeah. on the cartoon. When he, Have you heard him when he's doing the Joker voice reading the Trump oh, tweets? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> he, he, there's, not, there's few people that are better on Twitter than Mark Hamill and yeah. His 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 hatred for uh, Trump and just people that have fucked with him online. He's pretty. He's pretty much shoots that shit down right yeah. quick. Um, yeah. yeah, he's he's awesome. I'm pretty psyched. Uh, the next one is Han Solo. Um, that is done by Ron Howard, coming out uh, next December. Uh, far away now, but yeah, I, I love the. Um, we'll quickly close out the Star Wars geek talk, but I love the new one. I just I. The things I didn't like were what you said. I thought they kind of disrespected the Jedi after all that buildup. And then it's like, it just seemed a little weird. I didn't love, I don't love anything that has manifestations. So um, I won't, I guess I shouldn't talk too much for spoiler reason for other people, but I didn't love the whole end thing on how that went down. Um, and then my last thing is what was up with the fucking stupid dark hole and the and the and the mirror and all of that stuff with uh, with you know what's her name? I, there was Leia? just a lot of things. What's that? Oh wait, uh, Ray or yeah. Ren? 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 The whole hole that that Ray. she went down, and then and then that mirrored wall that she was repeating. Like, I it just felt like it could have been. There was no reason for it. I really didn't. There was just a number of things I was like, probably couldn't. You didn't need it. There's a couple too yeah. many things. I, I I wasn't quite sure with how he was treating the force, like the Leia flight through space. You know, like yeah. she gets sucked out into space and she's flying around. Yeah. Like that was a little yeah. bit. I, I did like the. It's like the the what do you call it? Astral projection. You know how you can have these people that can. Uh, I think it's called astral projection. You can project yourself to another plane, and of course, there's all these conspiracy theories about you know how the FBI like 
you've seen the movie Men Who Stare at Goats, they can do these uh, astral projection. I think it's called astral projection, where you can project your mind so you can see other places on the globe. And the Jedi is just taking that one step further where you can <laughs> project yourself to another step. I kind of well, like that. One of my last girlfriends used to like it in the butt, and I had a lot of asshole projections. <laughs> but I'm bummed. Yeah, I don't know if that's... We gotta get back on football, or D-Rex is gonna start doing his crazy thing. I don't know if that's one of the the Jedi tests that you have to pass before you graduate from Padawan, but uh, that might be the night night school version you can take. Exactly. I love... Last thing I'll say is I I saw... And we'll get back on football, um, but I'm having a good time. I saw the movie uh, Dirty Grandpa the other day. So fucking funny. Uh, is that? So hilarious. It's Who is that? De Niro. De Niro. It is De Niro. Okay. Literally, you got to watch it. It is. I mean, you got to watch it alone. Your wife will hate it. It's a guy's movie. Your kids can't watch it. But watch it alone, and you will love it. But basically, De Niro, and this isn't the funniest line at all. It just speaks to me because I actually wear a white belt and have Literally for the last like eight since about the millennium since like two thousand, I was at a belt. I was at a store and I saw his white belt and I just bought it. And literally, I wore that belt until it crapped out on me about two months ago for like seventeen years. And I rebought a new white belt. But in the line, De Niro's like, "Yeah, the only he's like take that white belt off. The only people that wear white belts are people that suck at karate and take it in the poop shoot." <laughs> <laughs> I was dying. I'm like wearing a white belt, and I'm like, oh my god, it was hurtful, but it was fucking hilarious. They with your with your your Cobra Kai patch that's been like taped to your jacket seven times, and it keeps falling off. Only people that wear white belts suck at karate. Sweep the leg. Sweep the leg. Good stuff. All right, let's go. Um, you got any more on the uh? Um, tactics or early um i i do just a couple more things real quick run with it for a minute all right uh so dfs you know me i'm a dfs guy and every year i've been playing dfs i'm getting better and better and better but damn it got to my head this year uh one thing i I did just tweet this out if you're new you want to tinker around with any of this stuff i'm trying to tweet out some stuff as we go here but i did tweet out an article basically explaining the ins and outs. I mean, if you were just dipping your toe in the DFS waters, it's a good article from the DFS army. I tweeted it out today. Again, pyromaniac Mo. It basically explains the 80-20-10, which I need to follow better. Essentially, it's starting with the last number, 80-20-10. You take 10% of your bankroll, so your yearly allotment. And I mean, the amount of money you would feel comfortable with completely losing that's the way you got to go in it you can't mortgage your house or any crap like that the amount of money you could lose after the whole season and you'd be like all right wasn't my year you take that money and you take 10 percent of it and that's what you're going to use 10 percent every week now how many weeks are you gonna play i kind of knock off week 17 i even knock off weeks i should really knock off one through four because usually NFL stats start to normalize after eight weeks. Four weeks is really good. Uh, But I knock off one and two. Things are just getting going. And then I knock off 17. That leaves me with 14 games. So I try to 
take my allotment. I do a little bit more than 10% because I want to spread it out over 14 games, but you got to figure that out ahead of time. Don't go over that. That's what I did this year. Now, 10% or whatever you feel comfortable with losing for however many games you want to play. For me, it's 14. Then you go 80-20. So again, 80-20-10. 10% of your yearly bankroll is what you play per week. Then you go 80-20. 80%, that's what you're playing cash. And when I say cash, I mean the games you're going to basically have to beat 40 to 50% of the players. That would be head-to-head. You got to beat 40%. And then you got double ups on 50-50s. Again, it's anywhere between about 40% to 50%. Those are obviously games you're going to have a greater chance of winning. Thus, you're not going to win as much. But still, you want to put more of your money in that. That leaves you with 20% in GPP. Guaranteed prize pool also referred to as tournament play. Uh, these ones, you got to win, you know, beat 20% of the field usually. The more you pay, if it's, you know, 100 bucks, uh, you're going to have to beat a smaller portion of the people. The less you play, if you're in like a buck game, you're going to have to beat a higher percentage of the people than 20%. But anyway, uh, I'm taking 20% of my money and playing GPP, my weekly allotment, and playing those GPPs, those big tournaments. That's a really good way to start. My lesson is stick to your guns. Uh, I was doing phenomenal, doing great. I was doing so well that I thought, boy, why not kick it up? So I kicked it up and I had my first loss after, I don't know, five, six weeks. I was doing great. And I figured, this is an anomaly. This won't happen again. So I ramped it up even more. Lost again. I said, there's no way this can happen. I'm going to just double that and... Obviously, it got out of hand, so I lost more in three weeks than I'd won in the previous eight, which certainly hurt me. I still finished in the black. That's what I want to do at the end of the year, but I was nowhere near what I would have been. It would have been a really good year. Ended up not so great. Still in the black, but nowhere near with what I had, so stick to your guns. 80-20-10 is a great way to start off. Uh, Check out the article I threw out on Twitter today. It, It does do a lot of basic explaining if you want to get it. Also, you know, try not to be too diverse in your roster construction. Try to identify three to four players that you're going to use in all your lineups, you know, with cash plays. I I like those running backs who are going to get a lot of opportunities. So I do try to play a lot of the same running backs. Maybe there's a week that it's a really great week for wide receivers. Try to identify three or four players and... That way you're limiting your roster variance. If you're just throwing darts all over the board, you're not going to win. Now, I will say something I forgot to mention. With cash, I play one cash lineup. One cash lineup. All right? I'm trying to pick the best one. I'm trying to pick guys with really high floors. That's what I want. And again, a lot of those running backs or a lot of the guys really like the guys i like the best the guys that i feel have a great matchup or great situation i'm going to use those in a lot of different uh roster constructions so a couple things stick to your guns Uh, try to limit your roster variance play the 80 20 10 if you're getting into uh, dfs i think those are great things to start with and I've really just had an awesome time playing it. Now, I, I know there's not a lot of DFS talk here on, on Pyro. I honestly, I like it better because depending on how many 
um, depending on how many, I guess, leagues you're in, how many different guys are you really paying attention to, right? If you're playing in two leagues, not that many. With DFS, you're paying attention to not just guys, because you can buy anybody. You're paying attention to every single matchup. You're playing advantages everywhere. You're looking at the weather out east. You're looking at guys that are injured. You're looking at all the running back matchups, uh, which defensive linebackers are out, uh, the wide receiver, cornerback matchups. Everything is open to you. And personally, once you start putting in the time and you can start to identify some of those things, uh, like the National Treasure, you know, if you remember that movie, they'd flip down the green lenses and certain stuff would pop off the map. Then they'd flip down the red lenses and different stuff would pop off the map. As you play DFS, you start to know which lenses to look through, which guys are injured, uh, which guys are going to exploit the best matchup, which team is going to likely have the biggest, the best game script, who's going to score the most points, right? You start to know the lenses to look through. And I think that really gives you an advantage over the field because you're playing with all different types of players. And to me, it's just more fun because now I'm not just following along on my, if I'm playing in two leagues, the two rosters that I have, I'm following everything. I'm following everything. I think that makes it more fun. I still play year long, but I've really been hooked on DFS this year. Again, stick to your guns because you can get cocky. I got cocky this year. Should have done much better than I ended up doing. Still finished in the black, but uh, got too big for my britches. And uh, I should have stuck with the 80-20-10 rule. Again, I tweeted it out today. It's a it's a great intro article if you're interested in getting into DFS uh, from the DFS Army. But it explains 80-20-10, explains all the different lineups, and answers a lot of your questions. And uh, I am just hooked every year. I, I love it more and more. I'm, I just retweeted um, that thing you tweeted with the 80-20-10. I like it. I'll read it. You know what? For me, DFS, I have found on peaks and valleys, to be honest, I think if I didn't run this website and already was in three leagues, um, I, and that's, I think this is the reason why I don't love MFL 10s. And I, I'll, do, I'll do five MFL 10s this year. Uh, maybe go on some of the more big money ones just for shits and giggles if I hit gold, hit pater. Um, but for me, it's like DFS to me isn't all that exciting because I have a number of players from my other leagues and I'm not great at it. Like I think my best, I, I think I won like 60 bucks or something in one week. And it was like frustrated me because my first version of the lineup, I literally think I would have won the fucking whole thing where I took out like, I forget who it was, but I like had Cam Newton in and one dude and I had $400 left. I was like, Oh, I need to make it zero. So I swapped guys out and then those two guys blew up. And I was just like, even when I did well, I was pissed. But I think in general, I'm just, I'm trying to reduce the clutter in my life because I've just got like you, you know, we've got so much stuff going on. Um, And I think, I feel like for me right now, um, you know, DFS, when I do it, I'd say that I spent a couple hundred bucks on DFS and did it nine or 10 weeks. Um, actually, that's not true. I spent $120. Um, and I want, I actually won that 60 bucks and maybe won another week, but I just felt like afterwards, like I didn't, I wasn't excited to follow along during, and then I'd look at it on Monday and it just like felt like more clutter to me. So um, 
I, I hate that. I think I even want to, I think I'm going to remove myself from the blog talk radio league next year and let stags or Houdini or what you, but if you want, whoever, um, be, be, and we can make it a collective from pyro. Like we do some things, but I don't want to be in that league anymore. This year it was 14 teams and it was just like, it was just another fucking thing, you know? Um, so I'm sounding like a grump and I'm not, but um, I think in general, that's kind of why I stay away and don't love the DFS as much as you. But I, I think also another thing, and this is a testament to you, Mo, is you are a, um, you know, a statistician, you are a, uh, a data guy. You are always have, have, you came across us originally um, and you've always been just kind of that analytics and, and just being, being into that minutia and that detail of charting and knowing all these great websites and really diving deep in it the same way you do as you were just talking about with star Wars, you do with fantasy football. You don't ever do anything half ass. Like when you do something, you are all in Jedi style. And um, (laughs) you know, that's what you have to be in these kind of things. When you're in MFL tens going against guys that are as passionate and hardcore about as you, you're you're doing an MFL 10 in March with a group of 10 guys, odds are they're just as crazy and knowledgeable about the shit as you are to a degree. Um, right. And, and with, the, uh, with the DFS, there's just a lot of great guys out there. They've, they've helped make it so that you can't get sharked as much as maybe a few years ago. Um, but in general, I think I'm sharkable because I'll just throw out gut lineups and, I've, and things from that I remember hearing from the podcast on the week. And I'll just kind of just, I'm throwing together a lineup or, or five lineups in a week in DFS, um, you know, in a half an hour um, for all of them, where I just have a feeling you kind of are prepping, knowing a couple directions you want to go, then having some splinters off of that and some hybrids of each. And kind of before you've even opened up the, your draft kings, which I know which one you like, I'm more of a fan duel guy. You've already got like your lineups written down, and it's almost just data entry at that point, you know. Yeah, uh, that's one of the things I've been doing this year is uh, limiting my roster variance. Just finding three. The more guys you can, the better. But uh, rather than throw a bunch of darts all over the boards, because what are the chances? You know, you might hit one dart on one lineup and two on another and two on another. But what are the chances they all land on one lineup? That's why I've been really trying to limit my roster variance. Identify three, four guys that you're going to use in almost every roster configuration and then vary up the others. Because then if you've got, and if you feel good, and if you've got a good process for identifying just three, four players, think of, you know, you got 14 games in a week, 16 sometimes. If you can find, boy, there's these three games that are just awesome. And maybe you're um, stacking a game script. Maybe it's the Rams in, in Philly, and then you're expecting both to just shoot the lights out, right? Identify those players, and if those guys hit, you can really be doing well, and you can be singing pretty. And It's just more of a system. Another thing I think people get scared is all the sharks that are in it. There's a lot of, lot of sites now. Fanball, I talked about them. They have a rating system. The better you are, you get a fanball rating now, you can still play against everybody and anybody, or you can go in rooms that are just, you know, uh, 25 to 50 players and 51 to 75 players. So you can really, they're making ways that you're not getting sharked. Even DraftKings, a huge one. 
I play a lot of single entry lineups. I mean, so you can only get, you, you can't stack 50 lineups in one entry. You can't stack a hundred because there are guys that do that. Yeah. You can only do the, the one entry per tournament. So I do a lot of single entry plus some of the smaller sites. So it, and, and they passed the rule, the, I don't even know what it's called, but you know, DraftKings players can't play on, or DraftKings uh, employees can't play on DraftKings. So it's really, I think not, it's kind of an anomaly that how it used to be. I, I don't think it's that way anymore. They've done a lot of things to uh, put up some security walls, I guess. I agree with that. I like that. I'll use Fanball. Um, I actually, that was the website that I, we used for our first, uh, to park our leagues initially, um, back when at the turn of the internet being, uh, going online for famous football back in probably 96, we started using that. Then they got bought by RTS. We still use RTS. What a dog of a company that is. What a shitty product, but we don't want to leave because all of our history's there. Um, well, I, I mentioned MFL. All the MFLs are going to Fanball. So if you had a MFL, so did Fanball buy my fantasy league? I, I there's a long letter that you can read on both of their sites, and basically all your stuff they're importing it. So like I've got teams I can look back and see. I think I was in a league with Stags a couple years ago in MFL ten. I can I was in one with Wheeler a couple years ago. I can look back and still see all that stuff. So they're what in housing it. They're bringing all that data over, but I, I think they're partners with each other. So I know MFL ten is or MFL my fantasy league. They're still doing stuff, but the active playing component is going to be done through Fanball. Very cool. Because that I mean to be honest, just looking at Fanball right now, you can tell they've got a, a front end designer and a pretty good squad. I know that people love my fantasy league. And the MF, there, you know, they invented the MFL 10, obviously. Yeah. But that website is oh, a yeah. dog. I mean, Jesus Christ. How can they have so many people using this and not be in a meeting uh, yeah. one time and be like, hey, guys, let's throw like 30 grand at a redesign. We don't have to change yeah. anything. With the grid, we can keep the same 10 grand. And let's just make it look like it was made um, since before, uh, since the Yugo was uh, discontinued as a, as a vehicle. Yeah, that's been a problem, especially if you're trying to do it on your phone or whatever. There's just so many damn buttons and things to hit at the top. Oh. And it ta- even me, I've used it forever. And it always look at it. As a, as a brand designer, when I see that My Fantasy League logo, whatever the fuck that thing is, that flag uh, or the boat sail on its side, like I just I can't even look at it, uh, to be honest. Yeah, you got to pull up different links. If you want to like set set a lineup, you got to find it under like three drop down boxes. And if you want to check last week's scores, it's four other drop down boxes. And so there's nothing in a normal, easy to do fashion. I think Fanball is going to be much better with that. They're also going to be more customizable. Like one of my pointers was, you know how we always say, take the best talent. So if you're working off your tiers and you've already got, I don't know, a couple running backs, but there's a solid running back, go with the best talent. You got to know your league, man. Cause I was in one this year the, there was no trade. I don't know if these, there was trading. They just did not trade. And we are in a, my fantasy league. And if you know how those go, you can basically play. I think the maximum I want to say is two running backs. You can do two running backs and three wide receivers, or you can do one running back and four wide receivers. So I had four awesome running backs. 
Well, nobody was trading with me. And that means every week I got two dudes on my bench. I had four top 20 running backs. I had three top 10 running backs. I couldn't use them all. And so my bench is just scoring all kinds of points. And I've got other holes in my, my roster. Nobody's trading with me. So know your league. And I am all for going out for best available if your league trades or if they've got a bunch of flex spots. But definitely know your league. And I'm going to be looking more as an eye to make sure I fill a maximum startable lineup as well as balancing. It's all about the balance, brother. All about the balance. Love it. All right. That was an awesome little segment. Um, the reflections on a season and, um, you know, early uh, prepping tactics for the 2018 season. I say before we get into our next segment, and it looks like this show is going to run a little long, which I'm all for. We're going to have a nice long one. I don't get to talk and get on shows with you nearly enough like we used to. So I'm not worried about it. If you're not, um, quick thing, maybe before we get into way way too early ADP segment, uh, maybe you can ask me a uh, trivia question and we can uh, throw down another um, uh, word from our sponsor. I like it. I can even do you too. And then uh, perhaps I am going to go round up another centennial, but let me give you, let me give you two here first. Yeah. Let me give you one before the break and one after the break. So my first one is maybe a little tricky. I had you in mind here. Let's do both of them before. So okay. then I can go and start talking about the way too early setting that up while you go centennial hunting. All right. Uh, all right. This one's going to be the trickier of the two. So you got to kind of listen to the way I'm, I think I'm asking it, asking this. I haven't had too many centennials yet. Okay. This is all Super Bowl trivia. Now, this is most receiving touchdowns in one Super Bowl game. Now, let me say it like this. Once again, most receiving touchdowns in just one Super Bowl game. Let me say it like this. There are two occurrences of a player scoring three touchdowns, receiving touchdowns in one Super Bowl game. There are two occurrences. Of a player, I know this, right? This is my favorite player. Okay, but can you tell me both? Yeah. So, okay, who? Oh, there's two occurrences. Oh, I got you. Okay, so So, there's two players that have had three twice. There's two occurrences of this happening. Okay, so Jerry Rice had it in uh, against the Denver Broncos in '89. I don't know Super Bowl, and then he also had three against the. San Diego Chargers, right? Okay, so yeah, you're good. Because I was trying to get you with the occurrences, and then you said two players. I'm like, no, there's two occurrences. Yeah, yeah Super Bowl, yeah. what, 20? Jerry, I know the back of Jerry's uh, football card, like I know the underneath of my ball sack. Yeah, five years apart, Super Bowl 24 and Super Bowl 29. I, I was crying and annoying everyone. I mean, Jerry Rice was my favorite athlete since about uh, 87. I remember when both instances that happened, like, Jesus, this guy really likes Jerry Rice. I yeah, I, so I threw it in there for you because I knew you were Jerry Rice. I thought I might be able to trick you. I thought you'd say Jerry Rice naturally and then maybe get messed up on the other occurrence. So here's another one that I think is going to be harder. So we've got most. So what? which player has the most Super Bowl receptions in one game? Not talking career. Most Super Bowl receptions in just one game. 
Now, do you want to take a guess, or do you want me to give you my multiple choice options? I, I think I think I got it. Most Super Bowl receptions in just one game. Who do you think it is? I sort of think it was last year, uh, Edelman. No, it is not Edelman. Um. All right. Get, yeah. Give me. Give me. Uh. Hold on. Let me. I, let me. Before you give it, let me think about this for a minute. Most in one game. Are you trying to trick me again? And it's 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 Rice. Well, twelve catches by Jerry Rice. No, I, let me tell you. Okay, so no, right? Rice is one of my options. Demarius Thomas is an option. James White is an option, and Wes Welker is an option. And Jerry Rice, you guessed, his greatest, I believe, is eleven. James White last year, not Edelman. James White had like twelve. Ding. Ding, ding, ding. James White had 14 against Atlanta. Uh, Demarius. I thought it was Edelman that had like 13. Yeah, James White had 14 catches last year. There you go. Yeah, 14. Uh, Next up would be Demarius Thomas had 13. And then Welker and Rice have both had 11 receptions in a Super Bowl game. My bad. I should have. I I locked in on the wide receiver position. But yeah, that was, uh, there was just tons of catches. How many did Edelman have last year? He had like nine then. He did, I didn't write down. I just wrote down the top four, so I didn't look at the game exactly. But yeah, he. I mean, that was an insane. I think. I think on Sunday you're gonna see. Um, you're gonna see Amendola with a nutty amount of catch. Like he's gonna be that ten. He's gonna have nine, ten catches. They're just gonna do that. They're just gonna get him quickly um, and get the ball out and. Him and Brady and Amendola are seeing eye to eye right now. Want to know something weird? You know how they say dogs kind of take on the look of their uh, owners and vice versa, or kind of yeah. look like one another. Edelman talks exactly like um, I mean, not Edelman. Amendola talks exactly like Edelman. Like if you were just listening to the audio and said, "Hey, Edelman," and Amendola talked, you would think it's Edelman. They they from hanging out so much together, they talk the exact same. They have the same voice and same like candor and style of of, of talking. It, it's it's pretty wild. And those guys are close. And you know, I mean, Gronk hasn't been cleared yet, as far as I know. I mean, I'm even looking on uh, Twitter right now. One hour ago, Gronk has not fully passed concussion test. He's limited. This is, in my opinion, though, that's done at a team level. This is uh, smoke and mirrors, Belichick 101. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there was another another tweet on here. It says basically that the Patriots can basically decide which doctor to send him to. And they can hold off sending him until at the very last moment, basically. So, yeah, I think it's smoke and mirrors and he's going to play. You're going to see what's going to happen this offseason. Obviously, the NFL is going to work on the catch. They've got to work substantially yep. on the concussion protocol, all this sort of stuff. Since they, since they, two years ago, they minimized the number of different uh, engineer, injury designations. That has been a mistake. Now you're basically questionable, which means right. a world of things, or you're doubtful, which means a small amount of things. So everyone's questionable. What you're going to see this offseason and the, the owners on – most of the teams will push for it, and some of the you know top end teams will probably be like fuck this even playing field. But the NFL will have predetermined um, concussion protocol and um, um, injury uh, 
doctors, it'll be NFL based so that there can't be any like, you know, why wouldn't, why wouldn't the Panthers, right. Cam Newton got his fucking head knocked off. Why would they, you know, and then you're, you're watching Anderson walk in there when you've got a chance to win in the fourth, you know, in the last five minutes of the game, it, there's, it's a no brainer from ownership to Cam to everyone on that sideline. It's like, Cam, we'll deal with this concussion later. He's like, let's go. He's a competitor. He wants to be out there. It's not safe, but it's the team that decides this shit. So get get it back to more accurate injury descriptions or categories and all done by a neutral party. Yeah. It's going to be NFL base where it's like, we don't give a shit. We're getting sued by you in eight years. If you go back in and get another concussion and we're going to have to pay you so much money. This is a part of the league rules. We have a team doctor evaluating you right now. And if you don't pass, I don't care what the whole sideline here wants. You're out. And that's just not the way it works right now. Yeah, it won't even be a team that. doctor. It's a, a neutral. NFL doctor. Yeah. 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 So it'll be, right. a, NFL it'll be doctor. a team doctor that's it has the, the, you know, is thinking of NFL's franchise uh, wise. So that's definitely right. those two things this season are happening because They've made it. They've dis. They've deregulated it to a point, um, and simplified it to the point that it's actually less healthy. Yeah, and I'm all for that. And okay. certainly, I mean, God, yes, these players they shouldn't have to risk life essentially, or or quality of life, but even life in some instances. I mean, goodness gracious, some of these guys can't even walk five feet uh 10 years out of the league or whatever so i'm i'm all for that one i just um, yeah for sure the I catch thought, the catch rule i want to see changed they're they're that that's happening already they're working on that one i just walked five feet um to get a bell Verde. i gotta go get me one of them go get one of those uh we're gonna do uh, uh go get it and uh right now do us Radio. a favor and uh help us keep, keep the lights on by listening to this Quick word from our sponsor. All right, sweet. Thank you. Well, while Moe's upstairs running to his uh, fridge to grab a Founders Centennial IPA, um, I'll just lead in um, to the next segment and talk shit and buy time. I just cracked another beer, so I'll I'll pour it. Uh, Basically, this next segment is going to be something that Moe um, brought up that we should do and it's uh basically way too early adp you know we do that show um each year for pyro we'll probably do it um within the next month or so uh, an early adp um based on me houdini and stag parties um findings and where we think people are are sitting on mock drafts and where they actually should be uh but this is a little piece where basically we're going to go through you back mo Valverde, Valverde, you want to? Uh, you want to? I think this is a. This is kind of your brainchild. I think I did a good job explaining it on my tweet. But uh, what do you? How do you want to play this? How should this work? Um, I'm kind of on prep, so it's going to be you doing a lot of stuff here, and I'll pick a guy or two, um, yeah. or a guy each round, or two, a guy for that's above and below for each round. Um, just kind of uh, responding and quickly looking over it. Yeah, I'd so, get more prep time today than I did. Uh, it's wonderful, baby. I'll take what you can get. And after all, this is called way too early ADPs. <laughs> so we're talking 
before the Super Bowl has even been played, January 31st, um, we're looking at Fantasy Football Calculator, essentially the average draft positions for the month of January. Now, I know earlier I touted my Fantasy League MFL 10s. Those haven't started yet. So again, I do think those are more accurate. You got guys that are live. They have got something invested. I I would always use those. But because these are way too early ADPs, those aren't even out there yet. So my football calculator, or I'm sorry, fantasy football calculator, they've taken all the drafts, and there are mock drafts happening for the last month, essentially the month of January, and they break it up. I set it up for a 12 team PPR is what I did. I'm a DraftKings player. I think more people are playing PPR, but I I do like to do both. I play in leagues that are both. Hell, I play in half PPR, Uh, but we are doing PPR just for full disclosure here. And going off the rounds, we selected 13 rounds. After that, if you're in a 12-team league with 16 rounds after that, it's pretty much defensive plays, uh, kickers after that. So we're just looking at 13 rounds, basically – quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends is guys that we're drafting. And for each round, we're picking a guy that you would take around earlier and also a guy that's going in a round that you're going to wait on that you don't think will finish within that round. So again, each round, a guy you would pounce on, a guy you would take early, and a guy you think is going to fall or a guy you think is not going to give you the return on investment you would have to put up for him. Uh, in a given round. Now, round one's a little tricky because you obviously can't go earlier than round one. So this is the only one that's a little tricky. And I kind of had the caveat with D-Rex here that obviously you can't go early on him, but maybe, just maybe, a guy that you could see finishing at the top. Now, for interesting sake, I didn't go with the top guys, your Lev Bell, your Browns, Gurleys. I mean, of course, we can all see those guys. And basically, anybody in this range has a potential of doing it. But Hopkins, I think, is going to be a force to contend with next year. He's always certainly been a fantasy force. And that was despite having a quarterback. Things have changed. Weeks one through eight, he had Deshaun Watson. Watson did not even technically start week one, yet he had the most fantasy points in the first eight weeks this season without starting the first week. Of the top 12 ranked fantasy football quarterbacks, in the first eight weeks, he was number one, again, despite not starting week one, and despite being the only player of the top 12 to not even have 200 or more aimed throws. In that same span, Watson was tied with Wentz for the most TDs, 19, despite having 50 less aimed throws. Now, on the season, Hopkins still managed the most wide receiver points. Brown edged him on uh, points per game. But on the whole season, with a healthy Watson, I think that's going to be the difference. Now, in standard scoring, led all wide receivers with a 67% TPW, that's top positional week. So in standard scoring, out of all the games that Watson Watson played, 67% of the time, he was in the top 12. I think he's going to be on fire next year with Watson, a healthy Watson, that is. Who do you like uh, in uh, round one there that could finish top 
dog. Well, first, I, I love your call because just watching him, even against the best players that rough him up, and in some games it feels like he can get a, a pass interference on every play just because his style, he just brings it. Um, and it's a wide receiver-friendly um, game these days, uh, as Jerry Rice uh, continually says. And basically saying, God, if I was playing right now, it'd be ridiculous. Um, but he definitely, um, his eye test is as baller as it gets of a guy that he, no one plays more snaps. No, and he's, he, he, you watch the game, he doesn't take a snap off. It's unbelievable, the cardio and the, and the, uh, the, the shape that this guy's in. So love that call. I'm going to pick the guy. There's, uh, I'm going to pick Leonard Fournette. A guy that I was a little bit down on um, this season. I just I, some of the injuries did pop their heads and reveal themselves, but um, I was a little down on him more so um, in my rookie leagues, which I are my main two leagues. I have to draft a rookie, but I, I just didn't see it this year. I didn't see the total turnaround with the Jaguars, but now that I've seen what a man amongst boys he is, and I'm still worried about him getting. I feel like he's going to be that guy that misses two or three games a year. Um, but Fournette right now on that team uh, with that defense and the way that they just really need to just run the ball and keep that clock running, um, I think Fournette and the opportunities and the fact that um, we've seen it. He can do it. He can have three touchdown games. He can go up. He can bust the long one. Uh, he's catching better than anybody thought and he's never thought of as a terrible catcher i think if they can do something and and get a get a better quarterback even though Bortles played well i i just think that i just think that fournette is going to be a a guy that if he's right now the very end of uh of the first round uh, there's no reason in my mind that he's not uh, a kind of guy that could be in the top three there let me play a bit of devil's advocate because uh, we're we're talking guys that you how can you even pick a guy that you don't like in this group? I mean, it's just so tough right now because we're just coming off the season. But a little devil's advocate out of all those backs, Fournette had the fewest out of the top twelve running backs. I looked, Fournette had the fewest top positional weeks from a standard perspective. Yep. Which okay, yeah, not bad. He he still was really good. Uh, he still finished top 12 in 50% of his game. So, I mean, come on. However, did he hit a rookie wall? Because of the 50% of the games he was in the top 12, only one came after week six. So, yeah. rookie wall, did defenses have tape on him and then they were better able to defend him? Uh, injury, did the body break down? Were there some character issues? Because there was a, a time when they, uh, something about a meeting he missed or something. I kind of forget yeah, now. Yeah, had to sit. There was some sort of character issue, some sort of rule violation. Uh, so a lot of questions with Fournette. Do any of those things concern you? I, yes, of course, but he is a good person. Um, and he's, uh, he's young. And I think he's, um, He's not cocky, but he's confident. Uh, but, yes, they concern me. But I like the fact that Doug Marone did say, you know what? You're vying for rookie of the year. You're leading all – you know, you're, you're killing it. Everyone's loving you. We're, the team's doing great. Guess what? Be a professional. You're not playing this week. And I think he responded pretty well to that. Um, I think he is a leader in the team. 
Uh, like I said, a man again amongst boys. So I think I, I do. I, you know, I I think he's going to be able to. I think he's going to do the right things and moving forward. Um, but I, I also think he's in, a, in in the perfect setting where if they let's say cousin signs with them, um, probably helps him a lot. But also now you're passing more. And if uh, you know, let's say Allen Robinson didn't get hurt this year. Is he getting as many opportunities? So you know, it's it's like anything. You, uh, he was he was he benefited from a lot of things that nobody saw coming. Yeah, like the one thing that really stood out to me with him was the fact that he didn't only had one top twelve finish in standard after week six. Started so great. So it just like, is there something I can't quite put my hand on? But he he's a rookie. I mean, he's got nowhere to go. You would think, but up. But there's some other guys. I couldn't really pick one. I didn't want to throw out there. I, I listed a couple of stats that had me pause. I, I gave out my sum for uh, four net Kamara. Can he possibly be that good? I mean, he was just unbelievable. Is that something he can duplicate? You got some injury concerns. Odell Beckham. What's he going to look like when he gets back? What's David Johnson going to look like when he gets back? But I mean, was there anybody in the top twelve that you really said there's they should not be here? Definitely Kamara and David Johnson. I'm worried shitless about David Johnson. Um, uh, you know, his injury is going to come back from fine. It was a wrist. It's not on his lower body, so that's a good thing. But this team is uh, going through a huge transition. It's not the offense that he had two years ago. And just let's be honest, it felt like it was just a serendipitous, all-stars aligning kind of season um, that he had and was one of the best, I think, top 10 fantasy seasons ever for a running back in standard, um, maybe even – excuse me, PPR, but I'm worried about David Johnson. I'm, that team is not, a, I'm, I'm not that uh, impressed by what's going on there. Um, and then Kamara, there's no doubt about it. Kamara is regression city. Um, it's, it's, it's just, it's just not, there's no way. And I like him. He's going to be a sweet player. And I think, uh, I think the saints at a football level are going to be great, but there's no way that Ingram and Kamara are both lighting it up, either of them, this year. I think I like them as a, as a one-two punch, but they did un, ungodly things this year. It's, it's coming down to earth. So I think out of everyone in this first round, I think Kamara's got the most bust potential. Um, still like him. It's not saying he's a bad player, but it just he's not a seventh pick overall. Uh, where you look at the guy above him, DeAndre Hopkins and Kareem Hunt. I mean, Kareem Hunt with Mahomes and this youth movement sounds like it's going to be ridiculous as long as, like you said, Reed doesn't dick it up. Um, yeah, Kamara's definitely, I think, the most likely to bust on this one. But David Johnson, I'm, I'm, I'm worried. I'm worried about him as much of a great player he is. I, I think his. I don't see him like having a Hall of Fame career, really. Yeah, it, it's tough. Round one is really tough. I, I think round two starts to get interesting. And I debated, should we go through all these guys? But it's a lot of guys to list, 12 guys per round. So I went ahead and I just tweeted out the link. So as you are listening to this, if you want to follow along, <clears throat> kind of look at some of the players we're not 
picking, you might be able to uh, get a hold of us and say, what you crazy, man? How about this dude? And uh, you can see who we were passing over and take a look at this for yourself. So round two, and again, Pyromaniac Moe's the, the Twitter feed I just sent it out on. And it was titled Way Too Early ADPs from Pyromaniac Episode 305, Pyromaniac Podcast Episode 305. Round two, I got an honorable mention that honestly, I could have even had him as my negative, but I'm going to start off with Delvin Cook. He's a guy I could see finishing higher than he's drafted, breaking into the top 12. Now, he scares the crap out of me because we only saw four weeks, but damn, what a month it was when we saw him. I honestly, I thought he was going to get rookie of the year if his health held out from what I saw in Minnesota. I thought he was fantastic. Now he's going to get a healthy Bradford back. He's got Rudolph. He's got two, arguably, maybe the best tandem, arguably one of the best tandems in Thielen and Diggs. This is going to be an offense to be contended with, power in numbers, and they've got a defense. So when you got a strong D and you can run the ball, that is a recipe for success. They've got players at all positions. They can't stack the box against him. He passed the eye test. PFF graded him as the fourth best running back this season. That's not fantasy. That's just an overall running back grade. How good of a running back is he? Graded him out at fourth best. I like Dalvin Cook as a guy that could possibly go beyond that. Honorable mention for a guy that I might grab early. Again, I... I actually started writing him up as a negative, as a guy I didn't think was going to get there. But I changed my mind looking into some stats. Jordan Howard, I just, this was the one you got to see what happens between now and August. I mean. PPR, yeah, Jordan uh, Jordan Howard takes a, uh, takes a die, uh, takes a bit of a, of all the players listed above him. I like him as well, especially with Mitch, but because this is PPR it's 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 a little hey I was writing him as a negative this was going to be my guy that didn't do it now despite having 3.65 adjusted line yards that is a football outsider stat and that's looking at their offensive line in other words in layman terms the fifth worst rushing offensive line Howard was able to still in standard in standard he was able to still get a TPW 40% of the time despite having defenses stack the box despite having defenses bowl over their line no quarterback no real wide receiver threats not much of a tight end threat he was you know shouldering it all himself this team has nowhere to go but up so this really depends to me on do they answer some questions in the draft uh big questions they need a solid quarterback they, they got a lot of people again i could see him as being a negative but the thing that surprised me was that he did so well despite having such a horrific offensive line that he still persevered so if they can get a couple of key questions answered I like him. That's why I put him as sort of this limbo. I put him as a plus minus because at first he was a minus. Then I kind of thought, well, maybe he could do it. I love it. I love it. I think the Bears are definitely signing some free agent wide receivers. I think they'll use some of their draft capital to grab one. Uh, They haven't had much success with that, obviously, with what happened to Kevin White. They're going to put a lot into the offensive line, but still not a bad offensive line. Um, And when, when everybody's healthy, 
Uh, so I agree with you. I think the Bears, and they've got Mitch Trubisky, so they've got, I think he's going to be a good player. And yeah. uh, one of the benefits for Howard this year was that they just were like, Mitch, we're not going to let you throw all that often. And But I think one of the other benefits for him next year is they're going to get Tariq Cohen a lot more involved, who on a play-by-play basis was yeah. very, very impressive this year. So I could see them, him, I could see Howard and Tariq doing things that are more similar to, to Kamara. Ingram and Kamara, yeah. Yep, exactly. I don't think they can do that because no one's done it ever. Like they both had – 1500 yards or whatever never happened before um but that's that i think i think that's something to say so i like your jordan howard call dalvin um, cook me, is really dalvin cook's my guy yeah dalvin cook, i love that call i completely agree he's a first rounder uh if everything if he's playing throughout all this preseason no it, it, now if they're holding him out and he's waiting and it's and we're sitting there in august and they're still saying hey he's hired he's healing and he's coming back I'm off. I just I'm off. But if he's participating this summer and this fall leading into the season and every, there's no hiccups and everything's golden and he uh, had great surgery and prepared awesome during the off season and he's ready to go when it's time to go in in in, in training camps, I'm all in. He's a first rounder in my in my book, no question. What an offense to step into. No the defenses can't key on you because there's so many other guys to contend with. Look at this. Evan Silva tweeted tonight. He, he likes throwing this shit out. And I'm just, I guess I'm giving Evan some props tonight, but um, I do love his Twitter account. Um, Viking Skill Corps with one big addition quarterback, Kirk Cousins, running back, Dalvin Cook, wide receiver, Adam Thielen, wide receiver, Stefan Diggs, tight end, Kyle Rudolph. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Notable, he says, notable, Cousins had success versus Zimmer's defense each of the last two years, where Zimmer might just be like, this guy's fucking good. We got everything we need except for this guy. Um, that team would be ridiculous. Wow. So um, anyone else you think is possibly going to break into round one, or do you want to look at some guys that uh, you don't think are going to give you a return on investment in round two? I'm going to just keep making the same mistakes I make all the time. But um, <laughs> Julio Jones and A.J. Green, I mean, in my opinion, I think they're late in the 12-man league. They're late first-rounders. Um, maybe because there's a lot more depth of wide receiver, it's better to grab that running back in the first round. But um, I just I – mean, Julio Jones and A.J. Green are as good as it gets. So – there's no one else. I mean, Gronk, I just can't do it for the tight end as much as I love the guy, the, the health issues. Um, I think Michael Thomas is right where he needs to be, uh, a, a very early second-round pick. So that's all I got to say. Uh, Keenan Allen I'm not into as being a, uh, a bona fide um, second-rounder. Uh, I think Evans will have a better season. Adam Thielen's way too high for me too if he's a second-rounder. And then the last thing I'll say is I think Devonta Freeman – um, I think the wear and tear on Freeman is going to show warts from a fantasy standpoint, like it did this year. Um, I think Devonta Freeman's um, on his way down on the fantasy bell chart. See, I, I'm one of the guys that I want to jump off early rather than hang on too late. And Jones scares me. I got to be honest with you. AJ Green. 
it, you, this is going to sound crazy. He finished what DraftKings 10 this year. He's always solid, but the guy's never had a hundred catch season. He's going to be 29 when he's playing next year. And if you look at this season in the last half of the season, so I loaded up just from week nine, week nine and beyond, he finished wide receiver 23. Eternal quarterback woes there. And all right, I get it. Wide receiver 23, that's still, we're talking wide receiver two, which is great. I can find, you can get wide receiver twos still in round three, you know, round four. So I just think round two, I'm going to say this is the year AJ Green falls beyond the final performance of a round two. Wow. I'm surprised by that, but I like it. But I like, I like the, uh, you know, you know me, Mo. These are, this, like I said, I'm going to make the mistakes I make all the time. A.J. Green and Julio Jones are pretty much my two favorite players in the league. So uh, did you own I Julio in any him. leagues? Did I you own Julio? I watching him, but I just love him. Did you own Julio this year in any leagues? Uh, I did, and it was atrocious. If I had, I did in my oldest league, and I took him with the third overall pick. If I had taken Antonio Brown, I probably would have gone undefeated. Yeah, I mean, literally, literally, it was that it was that devastating of a pick. Literally, like now, see what saves him. What saves him? Week twelve, fifty points. So that saves him. But look at what's coming before then. Two weeks where he didn't even get over thirteen points. Then four point four. A couple weeks after that, eight point four points. I mean, he does this. He has a fifty pointer, and he had you know a couple twenty pointers, but then. There was a lot of regret with him. I, I'm with you. But one thing, just looking, doing the whole over a three-season period, if you do a three-season uh, accumulation, I'm pretty sure he's number two wide receiver. He could be. And that's what I'm saying. It's a fine thing. When when do you jump off that train, right? And he's that's not, why. Not him. He, he's, he's, no. he's in his peak. No. He's in the peak. He had his And another thing I got to say that I love about Julio right now more than anything else. I mean, it's back-to-back years of, of just uh, what what he must have gone through to lose that Super Bowl last year. And I'll be honest, he lost the game for him in yep. in, in, in these playoffs. He, he should have caught two touchdowns yep. to get them the win. Um, on the second down, or first down, and on the fourth down, he should have caught both those. And in all honesty – I think he might have just been tired. I'm not making up excuses for him, but uh, and he's not a red zone greatness guy, but he, he just should have caught both those. It's unbelievably didn't. I love that for him and his work ethic and this offseason being pissed. He's always been a hard worker. He's not like ultra, you know, he's not a diva by any means. You know, he's a flashy guy, but he's not a diva at all. Almost to a fault like A.J. Green. Um, I, they're not demanding the ball as mu- enough. But I like that for him next year. He's prime of his career. It's not – he's awesome. He had a bad last game or bad last uh, drive. Um, but that offense has got to figure out how to move him around, get yep. more work out of these running backs. Figure they got to figure it out. They Think about Julio since he's been in the league. Other than that first year, maybe two years with Roddy White. It's, it's, it's similar to – um, Calvin Johnson, the people that they have around him, and also he had Gonzalez in his last two years, which is when he was at his best. Um, 
the talent they got around me. I love Sanu. He does well. He's been a great player for him. But it's laughable. Their wide receiver, their best wide receiver since Gonzalez fired is a Hooper, um, Tuolo. Uh, it's right now. It's friggin' Sanu is 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 the other side. Sanu's not bad. Sanu's better than you think. I think if you look at him. However, look at his look at his quarterback. Look at his running back. Or or Martinez Bryant. Now I would I would say to retort that uh, maybe maybe the wide receiver skills or even the receiver skills if you're bringing up the tight end and Hooper you're right doesn't have the support like you did with Roddy White however they, they got two good backs even if Freeman falls and I'm not convinced Freeman's falling off next year I I, I do like Freeman going forward they still got Coleman they've got Maddie Ice and to me when I'm looking at receivers like. Someone I want to jump off early. I'm not saying I'm jumping off Julio early by any means. I'm saying AJ Green though. All right. Who else does he have there? Uh, Tyler Eifert when he's healthy, and now who? I mean Hill, Giovanni. Are, is is the torch being passed to Mixon? They got a severely disappointing quarterback. So I, I'm with you on Julio. I do like Julio, even though I think he was disappointing week in week out this year. Oh no doubt. Dude, hopefully Ross. I mean, they drafted Ross. Well, yeah, John Ross. 12th pick. Hopefully John Ross. John Ross had zero catches on one target this year. I know. Pick overall and had just tissue issues the whole time. So let's move on to the next round. Um, the third round. I'm going to let you run with it quickly while I go take a leak. I'm going to give you my top and bottom, and then I keep going if you need. But round three. I like me some Devontae Adams. I love what he was able to do, even though nobody was able to do anything in the absence of Aaron Rodgers, really, except Devontae Adams. His time has come. You've got Jordy Nelson and Cobb, who are limping in on canes. They are aging I don't think they can get it done. You're telling me Jordy Nelson is this badass, awesome receiver, but he can only get it done with one quarterback who can place it on a dime. Devonta Adams, he's young. He can still get it done. They should have a better ground attack or hopefully even a better philosophy of what they want to do running the ball next season. And I think once they develop that, they've got some promise there, but once they develop that, I think he's going to they're going to have to give some more front seven pressure and they won't be able to ease off and, and cover Devontae Adams and that didn't even stop him. He had a great year and he's going to get Aaron Rodgers back which should increase Devontae Adams snaps. I mean, Green Bay just ain't what she used to be. They weren't converting third downs like they did. Uh, they didn't have as many completions obviously and that spells less opportunity for wide receivers. So really, Devonta Adams, I think all arrows point up because the team around him is going to get better. Thus, he's going to have even more opportunities, and he was able to persevere without those opportunities. He was tied for sixth most PPR points on a per-snap basis. Now, I didn't go on a per-game basis because they didn't have that many opportunities, but on a per-snap basis, sixth most PPR points – He's going to get more snaps in next year. Why? Because they're going to have more opportunities because Aaron Rodgers is a better third down quarterback and he is a more accurate quarterback. That's going to keep the offense on the field. That's when you want to look at per snap. So when an offense that does not do as well, 
they're going to have more opportunities next year. And he was a TPW top position week 40% of the time, uh, despite not having Aaron Rodgers. And Devon- he, one thing you got to remember with him, he got destroyed and concussed in, in was the, was the second time in the playoffs. No, it was in season. He got destroyed by in that bears game in week three on that cheap Trevanian or uh, whatever uh, at Trevanian is my, one of my favorite authors. Um, Trevathan. Trevathan um, hit. Remember when he destroyed him and he was concussed for a week and a half? And then that same thing happened, I think, in week 16 or 17. Yeah, week so, 15 against Carolina. Week 15. So this guy got destroyed on cheap hits twice. So add that to above and beyond just Aaron Rodgers not being around and still look at him and what he did. Yeah, uh, it, what he did, he was phenomenal. I mean, the second half of the season, he was really moving. He had basically three 20-point games in a row, uh, followed by a little dip, and then finished oh. with a 30-pointer 30, 30 and then a 16-pointer against Carolina, and that's when he got knocked out of the game. Yeah, with friggin' Hunley. Yeah, he with friggin' Hunley, exactly. So I really like Devonta Adams. I can easily see him breaking into a, a round two performance uh, for ROI, return on investment anyway. And now, I also like quickly that he is signed. He didn't get the, oh, my God, unreal contract. It's pretty amazing compared to what running backs get. Um, but he got paid, and they're not going to be able to keep him, uh, Nelson, and um, Cobb. Yeah, get Cobb. So – one of those guys is not going to be on the team next year. There's no way they're they're thrown down, you know, in Green Bay. There's no way it's like over thirty million dollars in contracts for a season on wide receiver on three wide receivers. I just don't yeah. see it happening. I, well, I don't think any of those guys are free agents at all. I think they're all okay. locked up. The only Jeff Janis, he's a free agent. Well, I'm saying they'll cut cop. Oh yeah, I, I yeah for sure. I think they will. The, the cap, the cap. They'll be like. It, can we make a trade and get nothing? No one's going to want Cobb in that contract. So Cobb's base, it's one of those two guys, Cobb. I don't think it'll be Jordy. No. Jordy with Aaron is, is pretty yep. magical. And I think Aaron will fight more for um, Jordy than, than a Cobb. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, but one of those guys ain't going to be there. But Adams is definitely going to be there. That's a good time. Yeah, I like Adams. Again, Pyromaniacs, if you want to follow along with this, I did Pyromaniac Mo. I did tweet out the link um, that we're using. Now, we actually downloaded this a couple days ago, so anything, it wouldn't change, but how much is really changing in January, right? So you're going to be able to follow along. Again, all you have to do is follow the link. It's already set for PPR. It's already set for 12-man, and then you can see these guys that we are passing up or picking. My negative, the guy that I don't think, and maybe I took the easy way out because I picked a quarterback, is Brady. You know, I'm a late-round quarterback guy, but even even if I'm not, I just don't see Brady finishing in the what 25 to 36 range for uh overall score for all players i just don't see that his time has come um he's i mean he's still great he's so great i I love it i just think he's gonna have to change his game a little bit we saw jordan do it when he aged we saw kobe bryant do it when he aged i think he's gonna have to do the same if he wants that longevity and i think he does i think he wants to 
play for a couple more years. I just think they're going to have to keep him on the field. They're going to have to find ways to do it. I don't think he's going to be passing like he used to. And I think you're going to see more of the ground game there. They've got some fantastic running backs. I just don't see Brady as finishing as high as he has. Plus, maybe I'm biased. I'm a late round quarterback anyway. Uh, but that wraps up my round three. Any other thoughts there? Um, I mean, looking at Diggs in that round three, that's not a good time. Um I do agree with you on Brady, but I think what you saw with Brady this year, Brady wasn't, I know he finished, what, fourth or fifth or something this year in standard, but um, he was good, but very marginal. Started out pretty hot first four games, and then there was a lot of, like, really, he was more of a consistent guy over the season, almost like Russell Wilson had been in years past. Um, as opposed to these explosive games, good game, good game, good game, okay game, huge game. There really weren't those, like, meter tippers um, for him this year. So I can see his game staying similar, which I think equates to a top six-ish quarterback even next year. I don't think he's going to, like, plunge. But know what type of quarterback you're looking for. I just don't think those ginormous games that we've – has seen by him and other, you know, top highly drafted quarterbacks are, are there anymore. But I agree with you. Don't go draft. There's no reason to draft Tom Brady in the third round, fourth round, um, you know, however big your league is. Fifth round, it becomes a little more interesting. But uh, I agree with you. You don't need to go. He's, he's, not, a, he's not a third rounder. No, I, correct, right? He's not a third rounder. Which brings us. To fourth round, I, I got a couple guys here. I mean, guys that you could see finishing higher uh, than the people he's being drafted around. Fourth rounder, Josh Gordon. I mean, out of all the fourth rounders, I don't know if there's a guy that has a higher ceiling, to be honest with you. Now, maybe I'm holding on to something that we all saw years ago. He came back and looked great. He didn't look quite like he did. But that doesn't mean that doesn't mean it's gone. And he's on Cleveland for God's sakes. They've got nowhere to go but up, right? I mean, so if anybody in this round is going to smash it, that's the guy to do it. I love it. Um, you know, obviously we got to see who's throwing, slinging the ball around over there. Um, I personally do think, even though we talked earlier, I I, I sort of think for whatever reason, one thing I did read is that. Uh, Cleveland offered better, better, a better, higher round pick for Alex Smith, but they wouldn't give him the money. So I guess Alex Smith had say in where he wanted to go. Mm, yeah, he wanted Alex Smith and gave a better trade, but um, Washington gave him the money. So something I just read, like literally in the last two hours, um, I think Cousins, Cousins in Vegas. Odds is the highest percentage he's going to go is Cleveland. So they have the biggest cap space. He said he'll play there. He doesn't give a fuck. He'll get so much money. He's either going to be the guy that finally changes that jersey that has 100 names on the back. And he knows. I think they're going to grab back, even though him and Cousins didn't work out that well, I think they're going to grab back Terrell Pryor because Hugh Jackson loves him. And they're going to be able to get him for a cheap on the dollar. They've got Corey Coleman, and they've got fucking the guy you're just talking about, uh, Josh Gordon. 
I'd say right there, that's the best receiving core in the league. Could be. No, I, you can't have a higher ceiling, especially round four than Gordon. And Cousins can sling it. I mean, he's always had a ton of yards. It was just a lot of times it was not getting in the, the end zone. He, this year was his lowest amount of yards since he's been a fantasy stud. He, he just cracked 4,000. Um, hmm. Yeah, but but he but I agree with you. He's a that that's like low. It was a terrible season for him. Yeah, he was yeah. gone. Bone China Reed was gone all year. I mean, how many big plays and touchdowns did Dotson drop? Um, you know, for the first eight games of the season, um, the uh, Crowder was the biggest disappointment in fantasy football. It was it was a it was a bad year for the team. All their running backs got hurt. Um, What's his name? It was a terrible team in that season for him offensively, and he still had 4,000 yards. Right, and he had, what, seventh seventh most yards this year, just two behind Matt Ryan. Um, and, and for Cousins, let me look real quick, but I know that's low for him. Uh, yeah, well, not so much. I guess uh, the past two years he was he beat his record 49 and uh, almost 41 uh, in 2015 so it was a lower year of the last three but he can sling it and with those receivers man that could be pretty i agree and is, he, let's remember he finished uh as the fifth quarterback he's top five quarterback yeah. so who cares what the r's were who cares what it was he he does get enough running it does get enough touchdowns where and I think this is two years in a row definitely two years in a row where cousins has been a top five quarterback and whoever, whoever is throwing it to Josh Gordon is going to be an improvement this year. So whoever lands in Cleveland is going to be good for Gordon, right? Agreed. Sorry to keep talking about Cousins. Talking about no. Gordon. Um, no, that's cool. Another I, guy I like, and then I'll, I'll hear a couple of yours and yeah. retort perhaps, but um, I don't know. I kind of think the sun's setting on DeMarco Murray. I think Henry, you know, DeMarco Murray, I just tweeted this out. He's got some freaking mileage. Uh, just over 1,600 career rushing yards. Now, if you average it out per season, uh, the dude has 229 carries. So he's got 1,600 yards in his career. He averages out 229 carries per year. That's his average. To give you an idea of how much tread on the tires that is, only 13 guys this year carried the ball more and eight of those 13, it was a career high. So Murray, I think he has got some mileage on him like few running backs do. I think he is hitting a wall. And I think we saw it at the end when he was banged up. I think Derek uh, Henry's got no problem taking over the rock in Tennessee. Ten- Tennessee's going to be on the ups. I like uh, uh, Derek Henry. No, no brainer. Um, I think what you will, and I think, to be honest, I think DeMarco uh, uh, Murray will not be on the team next year, which opens it even more. But I can see him signing. Yeah. Uh, I can see him signing like a Jarek McKinnon or one of these more. They're getting it. You you don't want to have two, three down, uh, one through three down backs. You you need to have kind of a, a nice offset of talents in the back yeah i did see now that you mentioned this they just uh the coaching staff did just tweet out something or make an announcement that even if murray's not there henry will be part of a committee next year i i get that but i i'm with you and i think henry i think it's a good this is a good spot for him i do think he could finish higher 
but I do think there's going to be a lot of um, a lot of ups, a lot of ups and downs. I mean, I think it's going to be much better than what we saw this year, but I think there's just going to be games where teams are going to be great against the run, and he's not going to bust that one, and it's going to be like feast or famine city with him. He's going to have those real nice games, but he's going to have some duds. Um, and I just think no matter what, no, even even thinking that Derrick Henry and Green with you is going to be a solid player, like looking at running backs after him does not – it's 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 a far fall in my opinion. Um, and yeah. even I like him more than – I like him eh, – it seems about right actually. This 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 I, I like him more than I like Crowell um, who's, who's being drafted one ahead of him. He is. Crowell's a free agent. I like Crowell given the situation. I mean, I, I don't like him in his spot right now. Like Marshawn Lynch or Derrick Henry, in my opinion, I'm all day Derrick Henry. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Yeah, I had Marshawn Lynch and Larry Fitz. I even, he's a guy I might, Marshawn Lynch, I think for sure. I'm not even touching, but uh, Larry Fitz is a guy I would rather be off a year early than a year late. And again, with just to touch on Crowell, and then I'll turn it over to you. I could like a Crowell. I've always kind of liked him. He got a raw deal coming out. He was great in college. He had some character issues. I think he's been a really good back in a shitty system for a long time. And depending on his spot, I, I could like him more. But yeah, Marshawn Lynch, what do you think about Fitz or, or Crowell or Lynch? What do, what do you got to say there? I don't know what's going on. Who's who's the quarterback there? So Fitz is like it seems a little high, but right. I mean, I look at the three guys ahead of him, and I like Fitz more than all of them. Martavis Bryant. Who knows what's going on there? Right, right. I just don't see that being a good pick at all. I'm not, and you know, I I lost leagues because of my love for Martavis Bryant this year. So maybe I'm just down on him and kicking him to the curb. But well, really. He's a fourth rounder right now. That's what yeah. you thought of this year. I'm yeah, I would way player. rather have Larry Fitz than Bryant. No question. And the guy above, two above Larry Fitz and one above Bryant, Calvin Benjamin on the least throwing offensive team that's that uh, in the league that's yeah. probably going to have uh, Peterson who looked atrocious and regardless is going to be a rookie. Um, as far as playing goes this year, if he is the starter, Calvin Benjamin to me, slow it right and you know what for a long time i love the twin towers funchers and benjamin when he was in when they were both in carolina you know what the league is not really like that anymore i give me a small quick guy that can get into space and make the catch than this lumbering giant who you know? I used to look at. I used to look at the quarterback, wide receiver, the height difference. That oh, he's got six inches on these guys. That doesn't really pan out. If a guy can jump, you know, 30, 40 inches and he's got a good drop on the ball, what does his height matter? He's just kind of slow and lumbering. So I'm with you on these big, tall receivers. Benjamin, my love is slowly diminishing. Well, and I'd, I'd say that I like having one of those guys. He doesn't need to be 6'5", Kelvin Benjamin size. I like having a big guy, but I do. I like having a lot more guys that can do a lot more of, uh, um, you know, quick moves and in and outs and figuring out how to get, find the pocket. In a, in, 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 I, I agree. The game's changed a little bit. And even you look at a guy like Stephon Diggs, um, if, if, in a 50-50 ball, and I throw the same exact ball with the same defender to Stephon Diggs, 
as I do to Calvin Benjamin. It's just everything's the same. You just swap out Benjamin and Diggs. Diggs is going to catch that ball better than Benjamin is. Yeah. And I'm not just saying that because the miracle in Minnesota or whatever that stupid shit's called. I watch Diggs all the time. I had him on every one of my teams this year. That guy is just ridiculous at going up and getting the ball. It's just like one of those. Yeah, he he can high point the ball. He is so good when that ball's in the air. And even when he's well covered, that guy brings it down. So, uh, we'll. I like I like what you were doing there. Should we move to the my my thing is Martavis Bryant, and then ahead of them, Des Bryant. Yep. Des Bryant, in my opinion, is spent, and I love him. I'm a Desbian. Houdini's a Desbian. I love. I, I was I ran three miles. Thank you, thank you. Two days ago, and I wore I my I wore my X my X fucking t shirt with the Des Bryant. I love this fucking guy. I've had I've spent probably a hundred dollars doing Des Bryant graphics, probably even more than that, for Pyro because I love the dude. It there's something his game it's just he's lost he's not fast anymore. Powerful and put the ball in his hands and uh, give him six yards. I like him against anyone but he just can't get open the way he used to. He's just... another guy that's tall, but doesn't seem to have that quick hitch, quick moves. And so that touchdown dependency chart yeah. we were talking to you about that, that Staggs does that I love. Talk about a touchdown dependent fantasy player. Uh, that is Des Bryant. And when we all thought, uh, Ezekiel Elliott's down. Now it's going to be Dez, and it's going to be his turn. That did not come to fruition. And I think the, I think you're right. The game has passed him by. He has a crummy attitude, and it's just compiling on itself. He doesn't get the ball enough. He can't catch it, and it just he makes it even worse. Uh, I, 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 I agree. All over. I don't think I think he's a good teammate, a better teammate than people think. Um, I think he's gotten a little bit over those issues. Uh, and I think I think partly his humbleness is the fact that he does realize that he's not the player he was four years ago. Um, and so he's like, oh, I'll just shut up and ride this out. Um, but, yeah, so those three guys, I personally right now, unless hearing we, we're, we only have the information here on January 31st at 9.15 at night, I like Larry Fitzgerald over all three of the guys ahead of him. And that's with me not even knowing who the fuck's playing quarterback on the team. Um, and I, I love Martavis Bryant as a talent. I just – is he going to be on the team? That seems like a guy that very, very easily is a draft day trade. I mean, I can just see that guy I, – I almost don't feel like I, – I have a hard time believing he's going to be a stealer next year. Round? Five. Now, a couple names stick out. This is a weird round to me. Um, uh, Allen Robinson, he's right now going five, six. You know, he was injured last year. Uh, can he bounce back with Jacksonville? A lot of questions there. Although, you know, if you just take away the injury, what we saw from him two years ago, you're going to you take him there, round five. Uh, Demarius Thomas, he's another guy that I think could potentially get out of there. I mean, out of the the teams that are shopping for quarterbacks, Denver is probably one of the most complete teams. So if they get one of these really hot guys from the draft, or if they do land somebody, that's kind of a team looking like they've got a lot of pieces in place. I mean, Demarius uh, this year wasn't what it used to be. He still finished 16th best DraftKings wide receiver. 
for the last six seasons, he's played all 16 games, so he's he's durable. He's not finished lower than 16th. But out of all the guys, you know, those are just some honorable mentions. Running back Alex Collins. He's going to be throwing him the ball this year, and he's he's the um, he's the Thielen. Say it again, Demarius Thomas. I think Case Keenum is going to be their quarterback. I don't uh, think they're going to. I don't think they're going to want to spend the Cousins money. Um, so I, I honestly think it's it's. So after that, in my opinion, it's well, who are they, who do they want? They're going to get either Case Keenum or they're going to get Sam Bradford. No way. Um, or they're going to get uh, Tyrod Taylor. No way. Um, Case Keenum is going to be the quarterback for the Denver Broncos next year. I think people have a short-term memory. You're going to get a good deal on him. Round five is what he's going in right now. He is durable. He is solid. Like I said, played all 16 games the last six seasons and never finished lower than 16th in that time. Get him an upgrade at quarterback, and yeah, I think he's he's going to be a great pick in round five. You know what? If you can find the time, we'll talk about this offline, Mo, but a great piece would be like, I have to think that Demarius Thomas, since he's been in the league, has the most targets and catches of any player. Maybe Larry Fitzgerald's more, but Demarius Thomas, the targets and catches that that guy's had over his career, something tells me he's got more than Larry. Obviously, Larry's been in the league longer, but since Demarius got in, I feel like maybe I'm wrong, but that guy gets opportunity, and you know how we believe here at Pyromaniac. Give me targets for a guy and look in this fifth round and talk targets, and he's drenched them, especially if he gets a Keenum, even if he gets a Keenum. Like I yeah. said, the last six years, 16 games, hasn't finished lower than 16th, and in that time has not had fewer than 140 targets. You did say that. Sorry, I, I was I was checking out the stats. Hundred. No, I didn't say the targets. I just had yeah. to look up the targets. Yeah, one hundred and forty. Yeah, yeah. I, I, there's just something that tells me he's got more targets than any player in the league since he got into it. Um, which is awesome. Opportunity knocks. Um, so let's. You want to name anybody else? Well, real quick, what do you? Th- I mean, a guy I don't like, uh, Jordan Reed. I think that's kind of a gimme. Um, five years in the league, only thirteen. Uh, games is his most one time has he played 14 games 13 is basically what he gets year in year out i mean multiple concussions this dude has five five concussions since he's been in the league i think maybe maybe one was in college can i tell you one thing and i'm aiming this to our listeners for pyromaniac do not just don't do it do not draft this guy go higher on a tight end Grab a guy you like, or the guy that's too ahead of him on this mock, which is crazy, or grab a Kelsey, grab a whatever you want to do. Go higher on a tight end or wait a bunch, and you can still get Doyles, and you can still get guys. Do not draft, and these are guys that I've won championships with, both these guys, Jordan Reed or uh, Tyler Eifert. Don't do it. Listen to this. I found an over-under on 2018 games that Jordan Reed will play. (laughs) 6.6. So basically, he's got to have seven games to win. And honestly, I don't think that's a good bet. I I would take the under. The only reason why he was good anyways is because him and uh, Kirk Cousins, sorry, I feel like I keep talking about Kirk Cousins, 
uh, tonight, but is because he on drives would be like, you know what? We're just basically going to get like, we're, it's going to be a nine play, six catch Jordan Reed drive. Yeah. Cousins gone. Jordan yeah. Reed, don't draft him. Don't draft uh, Tyler Eifert either. He's going to be, he, he, these guys just, they're, they weren't meant to play football for, they're great football players. If injury wasn't an issue, I love Jordan Reed. I love Tyler Eifert. They just can't be play. They can't be healthy. And like I said, in two different seasons, by two different, both those guys were both huge components of championship fantasy football teams for me. So I love them. I love Tyler. The year Tyler Eifert had the 13 touchdowns, and I drafted him like the, in the 18th round. He won. I was he was my flex all year. When you're flexing your tight end, you win the championship. You're gonna fall in love with that guy. He yeah. just can't be healthy. So let's let's move on. I think in for me in that round, um, Bilal Powell. I just don't understand how you could possibly feel good drafting that guy in the fifth round. Right. Um, I think something like that in three rounds in a mock draft world will he'll be down ten, you know, five rounds for sure, but. There's anomalies here when you're when you're mocking this early. Um, Crabtree, I'm certainly worried about. I'm sorry, who? Crabtree. Yeah, for sure. I'm worried about the quarterback there, right? I mean, goodness gracious, Crabtree is actually the guy I feel best about. I'm worried about Cooper. Uh, I'm worried about the Raiders organization, honestly. But uh, yeah, Crabtree, I just don't feel confident anybody's going to give him the ball. Yeah, uh, Allen Robinson is the one here I love the most. And obviously, yeah. and Russell Wilson, and he just seems to always get it done. So not saying you'd go high on a quarterback, but I like if if, if, if you want to have a, a, a settled position and don't want to have to worry about streaming or don't want to have to worry about picking the late late round QB that is, makes it so you have to become a streamer and you're sitting there with a good foundation in your first four rounds, I, I just – I don't think it's a bad thing to grab a Russell Wilson. Um, that team was terrible this year. They're going to improve a lot of elements of it. it. It was the worst. They were running on on we're one of the best team franchises. We're a dynasty for the last five years. Um, this year it kind of woke them up how quickly the league can pass you by. And um, I, I just think that they're going to they're gonna figure some shit out. Plus, I do like Chris Carson. A lot if he can finally fucking stay healthy. So, um, but Allen Robinson, if he goes to the 49ers and is the number one um, with a supplement of uh, got Goodwin and uh, um, Garcon, Pierre Garcon, whew, that's amazing. I also like him on the Bears um, with uh, with with Mitchell Trubisky. Um, Let's see where that guy goes. If he's in Jacksonville, which I just don't – I think he's leaving. Um, if he's in Jacksonville and Bortles is his quarterback, you know, I, I think this almost feels high. Uh, but he got injured first game. Or maybe yeah. Second game. yeah. I know. I drafted him. Yeah. It's a full season where – this guy's probably re- already training almost uh, right now. Yeah, and these are the guys you want to keep an eye on. Re- shortly, short memory. Everybody's got a short memory. He didn't do anything last year. If you remember two years ago when Bortles was good, much better than he was this year, 
Uh, Allen Robinson was fantastic. They're going to, I think Lee's going to be gone this year. That's going to leave opportunity for him. And I just think that's opportunity for you because people have forgotten about him. He was injured. There's going to be less mouths to feed there next year. Yeah, I think I really like an Allen Robinson this year. If, if he stays at round five, six, that's a great time to grab him. Agreed. I think while people are going nuts on like guys like Keenan Allen in, in, in literally the second round, I'd yeah. much rather have even in the fourth round an Allen Robinson. Yeah, think of the, the running backs you can get while people are getting guys like that, and you can fall back with Allen Robinson. I'm, I'm with you on that one for sure. Cool. Um, I like Alex Collins. That's all I'm going to say. I do yeah. like Alex Collins. I looked up Alex Collins' PFF. He is their number – let's see. High, yeah, number one, highest PFF grade for a running back, higher than Gurley, higher okay. than Kamara, higher than Hunt. Alex Collins. That's awesome. I, I picked him up in two leagues. And I'm going to tell you, the guy, even in the weeks that he was going against top teams, like, he's not going to do shit. And he wouldn't in the first quarter, in the first um, yeah, quarter of the game or whatever. Um, I'd be like, ah, you knew it. You knew it. He was one of the, he's like one of those guys that wears him down. And then you'd be sitting like, oh, geez, all right, this guy. And then he busts an 18-yarder. Then he yeah. busts a nine-yarder. Then he's got like four plays later, a 13-yarder, like, this guy gets it done, I, and, and he's, he's fresh. So in three years, I'm worried fuck, I'm worried as shit about him. But next year, I feel like he's going to get just a shite load of carries. He's going to do well. Hopefully, he's held well together. And then one year from now, we'll be like, stay away from Alex Collins. He was just given 375 carries. He's going to be picked up next. You know what I mean? But I think this year, he's going to get those ton of touches. And he's good, dude. Sneaky, good. sneaky good offensive line. Uh, football outsiders ranked him six best offensive line adjusted line yards, and he was over five yards per carry for a long time. But he ended with four point six yards per carry. That is uh, fourth best out of the top thirty running backs. I want to say or fifth best. He, he was right up there. Uh, only f- he was fifth best with 4.6 yards per carry out of the top 30 backs. Sneaky good line. They get a couple other key players. Cause who else did they really have? Honestly, uh, if they get some position players, some skill position players, I like Collins. Like you say, doesn't break down, gets it done. Keeps those legs moving. He's the guy, Dave T Dave T Thomas. He's one of those guys. You, you ask him to get you three yards. He'll get you three yards. Uh, or what you ask him to get him five yards, he'll get you nine yards. Or he always yeah. does more than you ask him to. Totally. And, and, and it's great, a piece of strategy to remember. And this is something that I just did not consider this year when I'm grafting guys like Jay Ajay and, and being a douche. Although I did pick up uh, the guy we're talking about right now um, and, 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 and ride him hard uh, is Alex Collins is defense. So they, who's got one of the best top five defenses in the league? Who's the defensive team forever? When you've got that and you've got Joe Flacco manning the helm who had the least yards per throw in the league and obviously based on salary to um, execution is the worst quarterback in the league right now, um, you're going to run the ball. And they've got a lot of, they got a lot of guys, even, Jer- even Allen had a good season. Who knows what would have happened with Woodhead? If he hadn't gotten injured in that first game, came back, everyone was fired up, thought he'd do a bunch of stuff, nothing. And want to know why? It's because friggin' Alice Collins is killing it. 
And in all honesty, I, I feel like Buck Allen is a good third down back, and he's got the body of of a a, 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 bat, a big bull rusher. I mean, Allen's a big dude for being a third down back. So I think they found their tandem. Alex Smith, run and gun, push it, push it, tough to getting a lot of the carries. Offset it with the um, with the Buck Allen, who's not like a scat back. Tariq Cohen, he's and he's he, but he he's still fast and big and can catch and can run and can lay a punishing. So that's yeah. the style of ball I think they do. The the combo you're talking about, Alex uh, Collins and uh, Buck, Smith, Allen. Buck Allen and Alex Collins, right? Um, I dig that combination. I think that's great. And with something really you mentioned, Baltimore's defense, uh, third best according to Football Outsiders and DVOA. But one thing I learned in DFS or um, yeah, daily fantasy, if you can stack a good running back and a really good defense, that's going to pay out for you in the end. I mean, once game flow gets out of hand and you get up and your defense is playing and you are up by a touchdown or more, what are you going to do? You're going to run the ball and chew clock. That's why defenses and running backs go so well together. So this year I am looking more to target uh, a running back that has a solid top defense. And that's Alex Collins right there. If you have that, your game plan every week is a tandem offensive unit and the defensive unit meeting is run the ball to, yep. to, to move the clock because every time there's an incompletion, the clock stops and let the defense have time to rest so that when whatever happens on the previous drive or current drive with your offense, it isn't a friggin' three and out 41 second moment that your awesome defense was able to sit on the bench. Simple as that. Yeah, there's a lot to be said for that correlation. Uh, strong defense, strong running back. You know, that's something you should uh, add in. I do add that stuff into my tiers. I'll highlight certain things green or I'll add a little symbol. But a guy on a strong, powerful defense, Jacksonville, Minnesota, Baltimore, I'm, those are running backs that are going to do really well. And indeed, they did this year. And also, also one other thing is score. Is the score itself, whether it's yards or whatever, but the score itself, if you've got a defense, that I, I'm pretty sure that Baltimore, while they might not have been the best ranked defense or whatever, I'm pretty sure they held opponents to the least amount of points. So your defense can leave opponents to the least amount of points as opposed to, say, um, JGI on the Miami Dolphins. And the Miami Dolphins are giving up tons of points to their um, defense, tons of points to opposing offenses. And, you're, and we're talking about running backs, how are you going to be able to run the ball? And this is why, in all honesty, we talked about this in shows before, the reason why the, um, the best defense in the league, or maybe they're the second best in the league this year against the run, was the Philadelphia Eagles, is because they got out to these huge leads and runs off the table. You're just not, offenses aren't running against them. It's not because this defense stopped them every time. It's because we're down 21 points. Um, And I think just in general, that is a huge part with having that great defense, like the Ravens in this case, that hold offenses to like over, under, you're betting the under on a regular basis. Um, We're allowed to keep running. 
This defense, yep. our defense has got the score at 12 points and we're at seven. So let's keep running it. And they're going to keep it at 12 and we're going to get to, we're going to get to 21. Yeah. Baltimore, like you say, uh, they were actually one of six teams to hold opposing offenses below 19 points per game. And again, uh, what's something I've been using more and more fan, uh, football outsiders, but their DVOA, a uh, defense value over a, a average, which I think is a great metric. But anyway, it's Jacksonville, Minnesota, Baltimore. Baltimore is right there for a solid defense. And again, that's why another reason, Alex Collins. Let's move to round six. I'm going to give you both. Uh, I'm with you. Valverde. I'm going to give you two guys. The guy I like, the guy I don't. Corey Davis, I like him a lot. Fifth, this is a fifth overall pick. Fifth overall. I missed a lot of time due to injury. Uh, never really quite got in sync, right? Now he's going to have a full off season. He's an, another Western Michigan guy like uh, Antonio Brown. Going to have some positive TB, TD regression. He's going to have a lot of positive uh, regression. His 5,278 receiving yards are the most all-time for an FBS college wideout. So there's just potential galore. He's on a fading Eric Decker, fading Richard Matthews team, uh, non-existent Tajay Sharp this year. So a lot to like for Corey Davis and a lot to hate for my own Amir Abdullah, Lions 31st in adjusted line yards, last in yards per carry average, last in rushing yards per game. Uh, Just hasn't passed out. He's done. I mean, yeah. I, to be honest, to me, like I said earlier about a couple players that you just don't draft in the tight end position, in my opinion, Amir Abdullah, if he impresses out of the – as a whirlwind, you'll be able to pick him up off the waiver wire. Stay away from Amir Abdullah this year. He's just not worth drafting. Yeah. You're saying here in the sixth round, just not worth drafting. What um, do you think of Corey Davis? I love Corey Davis, and I'll, yeah. I'll tell you, last uh, – Last summer, I went on a uh, Tinder date uh, with a girl from uh, Kalamazoo um, and met up. Uh, we met up at Bell's. No, we met at Arcadia Brewery, and then we went to Bell's um, right there. Drove by the, uh, the Western Michigan Stadium. It was yep. pretty fucking awesome. Went to a couple breweries. Had an all right date. Wasn't really that attractive, but we had a blast. Um, Little little road trips like that are pretty awesome. I was up in my lake house, so it wasn't like coming from Chicago. It's still an hour adventure. But uh love I checked out the stadium. It was sweet. Yeah, cool cool town, Western. Cool town. I, I head down there all the time. State Theater, one of those old school theaters to still see a good show at. Um I, but I to go to go on, you know, just uh I love uh love um uh Davis, yeah, Davis, Corey Davis, yeah, he. I was going Corey Coleman. Sorry, Corey I Davis. mix I mix up those two guys too. But uh, for a fifth round overall pick, we re- he didn't really fifth produce like he thought he would. You know, pick in the first round. Yeah, um, yeah, and you, you saw him. He had two touchdowns in his last game. One of those touchdowns was ridiculous. To be honest, I test. Um, he he looked. Open, uh, you know, I had him on all my teams. He looked open, and I also had a lot of other guys, including Mariota, and so I watched a lot of Titans games. He looked open a lot. Mariota needs to figure some shit out and and kind of do the do the Roethlisberger, just force it into the guy. 
um, thing. And I think he will figure that out that he's got a beast and you got to feed the beast. Um, but yeah, I think he's, he's a stud, but I, I, I still, I, I don't love this. I don't love him in the sixth. This was the first wide receiver taken, you know, I mean, fifth overall first wide receiver taken. I think there's a lot of talent we have not seen yet. No doubt there is. I mean, you know, here's what I'll say. Everyone in this round and at the wide, other than Allen Robinson in the previous round, I I, I agree. I, I I would take and uh, Demarius, but yeah, I like him. He's he, he's solid. We got to see it. Here's what happened this year. He had a low. He had a what a hamstring or a quad injury um, heading into camp this year. You're a rookie. You miss out on that time. You don't get that rapport with your quarterback you don't learn the playbook you kind of mentally are feeling frustrated and a little bit sheepish because you're the rookie that everyone just that they just spend everything and you're not playing and you're not able to do shit but you, you're not like a leader or really a, a, a figure in the locker room that's got a voice it's got to be tough you know it's got to be yeah. tough um so i just hope that he has if he has a whole off season in a year or two where there's no lower body and tissue issues and he can, and he's a good guy, which I think is the case. And he can grow with this uh, locker room and play a lot of catch with Mariota. Yeah. Six. I, I agree with you. Six could easily be, why would this guy not dominate over Amari Cooper and be worth a second or third round pick? You got to believe in, you know, seeing somebody seeing this guy for what he was. I mean, God, some of those early wide receivers this year, uh, John Ross, he was the third wide receiver picked. Didn't see a whole bunch from him. Uh, Mike Williams, who went out to San Diego, was the second picked. Corey Davis. So this was really a draft class. We have not seen what they can produce yet. And most of them were, were injuries. Um, situation, but I think we could see something from him, and I think Mariotta can start to get it together. A lot, a lot of question marks, though. Uh, but that's what you're going to get once you get down this far. Um, moving to the next round, so we're right. talking. Right. I think you're right. Great call. Go on. Round seven, boy. Uh, I think an easy one to say is not worth round seven. My my guy that I'm not going to take then, and maybe not even in round eight, is a Sammy Watkins. What do you think about that? It depends. No one knows. I I, I, I kind of like him. Look at the final stats again. He's he actually had it. He, he was touchdown dependent a little bit, obviously. But what if what if he doesn't stay with the Rams? What if he goes and, and finds a um, a great opportunity where he's the number one? But look, I mean, on a team that racked up uh, the ten. 10- most offensive yards on a team that was number one in total points scored, 29.9. They, they scored the most points per week in the entire NFL. He was 51st best DraftKings wide receiver. He was the third best wide receiver on his own team. I mean, I just, nobody saw Woods coming. You certainly didn't see Cooper Cup. And from owning Watkins, I mean, he, this is the worst boom or bust experience because he will boom every blue moon which there's a blue moon last night actually uh but he's gonna bust far more and i just could not take watkins i can't take 
him sitting on the bench and going off and then starting him for a couple weeks and he does nothing. It's just a game. I've played too much with this kid. And I think when you're on a team that scores the most points in the league and you're not even the first or second best wide receiver on your team, I'm not taking you in the seventh round. Yeah. Um, in standard, he's a little bit, he's obviously better. He was 40th in, in PPR. Um, but the guy had he had eight touchdowns this year. Like that's he had eight touchdowns this year. Yeah, he was he, he, he was definitely fifty first in DraftKings. Okay, that's fine. I know you're a DFS guy. I'm just telling you, in, in flat out fantasy football, um, with 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 our pyro scoring with PPR, he was he's fortieth, and without PPR, he was thirty first. Oh, you know what? Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'll defer to you. I am on my fourth Valverde, but uh, oh, it's fine. And you're you're looking. You're, you're right. Fortieth. You're right. Fortieth. Your the scoring's di- scoring's different than what I'm talking about. With what we do for P- Pyro. So it's all good. That's oh, that, that's that was it. Okay, There's I got it. Scoring for for every different league. We just try right. to keep it similar, and I, I'm all for you doing the DFS DraftKings. Yeah, thing. I was looking at DF, uh, DraftKings points per game. He was 51st. But, yeah, you're right. Far better in standard. He was 32nd in standard, and which was um, just behind Crabtree, which was just behind Amari Cooper, who we both know was basically one game and then garbage. Um, so I, yeah. I, I'm not going to stick up for Sammy Watkins. If he stays with the Rams, I'm not – I think he could be a surprise, but when it comes to just flat out touchdowns with eight, are, are you surprised he had eight touchdowns this year? It's kind of surprising. I am. Uh, I didn't he, ha- but I think he only had like four games where he scored a touchdown. I want to say he, uh, like I say, boomer bust. He had some games where he did well, and then. It just seemed like every time he was on my bench would be one of those times he did well. Then I'd suck it up and I'd play him for three weeks and he'd do nothing, nothing, nothing. You know, I just hate those mind games. I hear you. And, but I'm just saying, what if he goes to somewhere else where I'm not, I don't, I want to see where he is right now. AJ Green, had eight touchdowns, Diggs, Baldwin, uh, Crabtree. I mean, he was, he had more touchdowns than Cooks. Juju Smith, obviously Keenan Allen, Des Bryant. I mean, he had more touchdowns than a lot of guys. And I think he is – I don't think he's touchdown dependent, but I think he's like the anti-Julio where he's actually – he's very touchdown creator. Um, so we'll see. I just want to see where he goes next. Um, I'm not saying it's a great pick, but let's go back to the sixth round and I'll name uh, – I'll name some wide receivers that I would rather have Watkins, even if he stays on the Rams. Um, and that's even to go. Remember with the other wide receivers we were talking about earlier, Devontae Parker, I'd rather have uh, Watkins. Hmm. Chris Hogan, I'd rather have Watkins. For sure. Jameson. Oh, Crowley. no, I'd rather have Chris Hogan. You'd rather have Chris Hogan? Yeah. I wouldn't. Um just because I think there's a lot of talent there. And, and next year, Edelman's back. Um, Jamison Crowder, uh, I'd rather have Watkins. Um, and I love Crowder, but he just got Alex Smith. And I'd rather have Crowder. Alex Smith did the big stuff with Tyreek. Jamison Crowder is a possession receiver, so he's going to be more like 
no, I, I don't know. What's 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 that one dude's name? I want to say Kelsey, but it's not him. Um, Albert Smith. Who who's the other the, like the third receiver on that team? Oh, Albert Wilson. Wilson. Basically, Crowder's Albert Wilson right now. <laughs> Crowder. Okay, so I play most of draft like games. Crowder, let me give you the other perspective. So for sure, standard, if that's where you're playing, I would like a Watkins on a DraftKings playing cash cash games, Crowder all day. He's got a much higher floor, much higher floor. He's a safer play. So again, know know your league, baby. Know your rules, know your league. Because I think there's a case to be made for both. And I I agree. And I will tell you this, Crowder had a – just a, an awful start to the season. Something was wrong mentally, yeah. physically, or, or whatever. And then he was dropped, and he was a pickup, and I did it in two leagues, and he was totally sweet. There was I, he, he won me. I, he was a big contribution in winning me two weeks this season. I can only say that about a handful of players. Um, so let's go on. That, that, that was, that's just what I'd say. I'd say Watkins, let's see what happens with him. I'm not a Watkins fan because he's burned me, but to think that he actually did what he did this year on 70 targets, what if he got 110 targets? Yeah, he's just not gonna. There, there's no way he's gonna, especially uh, when you got a Cooper Cup, he's gonna get the targets yeah, in that he, offense. He's, Woods. He's, he's a free agent. He might, he, if he sides with the Rams, he wants to win a Super Bowl and make some money. I don't sure. think he's going to be yeah. on the Rams. And it's a lot of this is situational. Again, that's why, you know, Jordan Howard, he could be a guy I really like. If they get some other pieces, he could be a guy that I don't like. You know, well, it, things will. kind of stay the same. They will. I think you're right. Your Howard calls right. They're going to get offensive line. They're going to get pieces. They've got their core. They've got, they've got the core pieces. What they don't have is the offensive and oh, some wide receivers. Your your Jordan call is great. The Bears are going to get the pieces. I'm not saying that as a homer. Let's move on to the um, to anything else you want to talk. Run with well, it for a bit. I gotta uh, go say hi to my dog for a second. Okay, so let me talk about a guy I love in the seventh, and then I'll, I'll bust into the eighth. Well, maybe two guys. Uh, Pierre Garcon, he's a guy that is obviously going to have some positive TD regression. How can he not? But with Jimmy G there, things are looking up. Um, he is certainly, I would say, the, the possession wide receiver. We got some question mark guys there that they could do better. Certainly things are going to happen in the offseason, but I do like a Pierre Garcon before he got injured. PFF graded him out as the 19th best uh, wide receiver in reception category. So I do like Pierre. I, I thought he improved, especially once, you know, uh, will improve once he's on the field with Jimmy G. But the guy in the seventh round that excites me the most is Gotta be Kenyon Drake. Despite being on the Miami Dolphins, who were the 29th rushing yards per game offense, he still succeeded. And we really only saw him, Kenyon Drake, what, the last third of the season after Ajayi was shipped off? Ajayi wasn't doing anything there. And even at that point, it really wasn't even clear who was going to take over. He was the one that, that the, the cream of the crop shall rise. He rose again. A lot of question marks here. Round seven, can you drink Miami? Who is going to be quarterbacking there next year? 
what about their wider their investment in Devontae Parker? Is he going to step up? I mean, they've got a great possession guy in Jarvis. If Devontae can put it together, they've got the weapons in Jarvis. Maybe they get some offensive line, and Drake is even better. Keep in mind, they didn't have that. And I got to believe he won some people, or he at least got some people to their fantasy playoffs because he really lit it up the second halves or last third of the season for sure. Uh, Canyon Drake was a very nice surprise, so I like him in the seventh round. He was the one that stood out to me. Looking now at the eighth uh, round. Oh, are you back, sir? And I mentioned uh, Kenyon Drake. I, I was sitting here listening to it, and I just didn't press unmute. Here's what I'll say. Out of every player on this list, in my opinion, Kenyon Drake could be number one all overall more than any of them. I think Kenyon Drake, of this ADP discussion, is by far – has the potential to swing the most and in a positive direction. More so than Josh Gordon. Absolutely. Hmm. All right. One, Josh Gordon, we talked about two rounds ago. I mean, oh, I see. Round. So you're saying in this in this round. No, I'm just saying in general. I think Kenny okay. could be a first rounder by the end of the season. Wow. Yeah, I I think you're right. He could. He what he showed on a team that, as I just said, was 29th in rushing yards. Um, what three t- three teams worse, and he still got it done. He I drafted, I drafted did, uh, Mark Ingram in the seventh round last year. Yeah, that's that's like this. Alvin Kamara was a pickup. He was the, the, the Kenyon Drake every year. There are guys that aren't even drafted. Alex yep. Collins was, was I don't even know what, what where he would have finished. I could easily go check our tiers. But Kenyon Drake, in my opinion, if he's going in the seventh round, which won't happen as we lead up to drafts because he's going to be a hot guy, probably because we like him and a lot of other, you know, smart folks do. Kenyon Drake will probably be like a third-round draft pick by the time drafts really start, maybe a fourth-rounder. But if he's a seventh rounder, I'll draft him two rounds early, and he'll be the reason I think if he stays healthy that I win championships. Yeah, once he started toting the rock, and you know how those there's some guys that you just got to keep feeding them the ball, feeding them the ball. Kamara is a guy that it's not like that. You can give him the ball once or twice, and he can just pop off. But Drake, once he got double digit attempts which did not happen until week 13 came close but week 13 hits and in DraftKings, boom week 13 hits 23 points 24 points 23 points he had a, a rough one against kc and 12 i mean it just it, you can clearly see this line of demarcation once he once they invested in him once they're giving him double digit carries once he was the guy he exploded Remember the, the uh, lineup I was telling you that, that drove me crazy in DFS? It was it was Drake. I took him out. He was one of the players. There was a quarterback and a, and a running back that I swapped out. Drake I swapped out, and he went off. And I swapped him out for a bigger-name guy that cost more. Remember it vividly that Drake went off, and I was like, your first installation of this lineup, Drake was in there. And you were fired up on him, and you had four fucking hundred dollars left over, and you decided you had to throw throw in a guy 
that was the guy, Drake. So let's move on to somebody oh, else. Real quick, and I do have to start entering lightning round here since I know my kids are wanting dad to kiss them to bed and they're <laughs> you know, sobbing without their father. But my father figure issues aside, there was a point in my uh, career here this past season. It's my high school league. We did a DFS year this year for our first time. And uh, one of my buddies, well, I mean, they're all my buddies from high school, but one of them who still lives near me contacted me. And this must have been, I don't know, week, I, I think, I want to say it was week 13, because I know they were going. he was going up against a pretty solid D. They are going up against Denver. And it was just after Drake really got assigned the job. He did well against New England week 12. And uh, one of my buddies said, who is, I looked on Pyro's site. Uh, they really like this Drake guy. He's kind of cheap. Should I? I don't even know who that is. And I said, oh, yeah, he is awesome. Go with it. And then, of course, that was the week he had his 120 yards rushing, uh, highest score of the year, practically. Um, 23 carries, 120 yards, one rushing touchdown. Uh, so Pyro was all over that one. So I'll give you guys the, um, the heat index scores again. Love it. Love it. Amen. Uh, keep keep rolling on this. Are, what are, are we? You want to be done with this, or you want? No, to no, no. Going? Let's just. I'm gonna move it into the lightning round here and just All go right. a little quicker. So round eight. I think it's easy to say. Let me give you my bad and my good and the ugly. I suppose. Uh, maybe it's the bad and the ugly all rolled up into one. AP eye test. He does not look like a guy I want to pick up in the eighth round. He has certainly lost a step. David Johnson returns going to be in limbo i mean he needed this year the only game i really remember him being relevant was the game when he set a career high for carries so even to be fantasy relevant first game uh, that he played for um arizona might have been might have been first or second and he literally had to tote the rack more than he's ever toted it in his career even just to do decent adrian peterson add him to the list don't draft him yeah that no one, no one since the Pyro podcast has started, and no one since Adrian Peterson in the league has wo- lived or died more more by Peterson than D-Rex. I'm saying this as someone that's no one. I have I've I've held on longer than anyone and benefited from him more than anyone. He's the he's the greatest. Love him. It cost it cost his. He's done. He's spent. He's yeah. running back. This is why these players should make more money. Yep. is the one guy that actually did make the big money. He's the last guy to have a $100 million running back contract. Probably the last guy ever because you're seeing what's going on. Um, it's, it's, it's just uh, do not draft Adrian Peterson. Yeah, a lot of these careers get a gradual slope, kind of a bunny hill. It is a Thelma and Louise for the running backs. When they hit the cliff – they hit the cliff, and he went over it. He went over it, fucking guns oh, blazing. Brad Pitt right now, pyromaniac Mo. He was a sexy looking cowboy back then, wasn't he? Yeah, he really started. He he bumped. He boosted his career with that one. Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, he AP. He is riding back seat. He's riding bitch in the back with Selma and Louise going over. I uh, God love him. It was a hell of a career. And it is now in the rear view mirror. But I will say round eight to transition to a guy that I like Cooper cup. I don't think you're going to be grabbing him once uh, September rolls around in round eight, but as of right now, the way too early ADP, that's where he's sitting. I mean, fantastic possession wide receiver. 
a great PPR guy. You've got Woods to draw the top coverage. Uh, PFF grades him as the 20th best wide receiver in the reception category. We're talking a team that is the highest scoring nearly 30 points per game this season. And this surprised me, Cooper Cup tied for third in red zone targets this year, which I didn't really equate that with his game, but uh, that's great. If If you're talking about a guy that's getting tied for third in most red zone targets on a team that scored the most points, in the eighth round, sign me up. Pre, I'm going to jizz your, in your wife's eye. Um, Robbie Anderson would have been um, a big a big one of me, mine that I think he could have uh, outdone his ADP. Um, you know, obviously, you got to know what's going on with the quarterback position. But that was, Robbie, I was going to circle Robbie. Robbie. It was the quarterback thing that held me back. Robbie Anderson is, is, is essentially, I don't think he'll play next year. Um, I think he's suspended next year uh, with the, with two arrests and whatever just happened a couple of weeks ago with that. He's not going to, he's get, he's not playing this year. There's just no way. That's, now, that's a theoretical, right? I mean, no, um, theoretical. I'm, I'm, I'm making, I'm making calls here, but right, right. I feel pretty good about it. He's been arrested twice in the last year. Indeed, He has. Yep. And and the one that happened two weeks ago, he drove and resisted arrest in a high speed chase. Finally, got pulled over and was spitting on and telling the police officer um, that he was going to nut in his wife's eye. Um, that was what happened. Um, it's he's out of the league. If I had a nickel for every time a student used that excuse trying to turn in homework late. <laughs> tell you. You'd be you'd be a rich man. So yeah, yeah I think yeah, Robbie yeah. Anderson won't play a game next year. Um I pretty feel pretty positive about that. And that's a bummer because he's an up and coming player. He had a ridiculously awesome season and he's fluid as fuck. But Paul Perkins, Harry Macklin. Garbage. I love Pop more. I would rather. Okay, so Mo, you're a streaming quarterback guy, and maybe there's other. There's obviously guys lower, but wouldn't you rather have a Jimmy Garoppolo or a Cousins um, or a Cam Newton um, and grab a quarterback in the eighth round than any of this garbage? Oh, for sure. Yeah, Paul Perkins is. Eh. Yeah, I mean that whole organization. Um, all the other names you've mentioned were, uh, but yeah, I, I'm not touching a New York running back. Uh, uh, one of them was, I guess, somewhat interesting. Oh no, I'm thinking of Ingram. That was the only New York player I guess I thought was decent. But I, yeah, I'm interested in um in uh fuck, what's the guy's name out of uh, Clemson? I'm gonna fuck his. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna uh, Galloway, not Galloway. Yeah. Galloway. The rookie, the rookie, whatever. We know who we're talking about. I'll, I'll figure it out in a minute. But, yeah, uh, I like – I, I kind of like him. But there's something that tells me that um, the offensive coordinator that's now the, off, that's now the Giants head coach um, is going to bring McKinnon, even though I said earlier I thought McKinnon can maybe go to another team. Um, so, but here's what I'll ask you. Quick question. So, we got Jimmy Garoppolo is the last – Yes, we're talking about the eighth. So he's the last quarterback. He's taking with the 11th-ish average out pick. Garoppolo, 
Jameis Winston was a little ahead of him. Kirk Cousins and the first uh, quarterback that would have been taken in the eighth round was Cam Newton. So out of Cam Newton, Kirk Cousins, Jameis Winston, and Jimmy Garoppolo, if you're sitting here in the eighth round and you just you've got a great team other than that, and you're like, I don't like what's going on here, and you, I know you're a late round quarterback drafter, but you're just like, you know what? I like this guy enough that I think this is the best pick. Which of those four quarterbacks are you are you taking? Um, well, because we don't know the Kirk Cousins situation, I suppose with Alex Smith, I'm going to take him out of the equation, I suppose. Okay. Uh, Kirk Cousins is going to be awfully attractive. I got to tell you, no matter, almost no matter where he lands, but it, it's just too cloudy as of right now to really say much. Um, I, I like Cousins, but other than that, I like the potential of Garoppolo. I mean, I think, um, who's the other guy, Cam, that you mentioned? Who finished number two, I believe. Who finished number two, but not because of his passing prowess, uh, because of what he can do with his legs. I just don't think he can keep doing that. He had, what, eight rushing touchdowns or something like that this year? I don't think I don't think that's going to continue. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to take the potential of um, Garoppolo versus yeah okay he had cam newton had six this year only had 22 passing tds in 3300 yards his yards has been in decline the last three seasons his touchdowns have been in decline the last three seasons his uh, rushing tds have basically been in decline i would take garoppolo yeah i i'm with you i mean if cousins lands in, in right uh... that, yep in the right spot, it's For sure. uh, where we talked about, you know, the uh, with the Vikings or um, hell, man. I don't know. There's a lot of opportunities there, but I, I mean, I'm with you. Garoppolo, the way he showed up, do I think he's gonna have that? Um, you know, let me that, tell you with Cam, I had Cam this year, I drafted Cam, he finished second. There is no, he was so frustrating. Oh. I ended up basically streaming guys and doing better with the streaming. I'm not even – I don't even really know how he finished so high on draft I don't. That was the same with Kirk Cousins. I had a team where I had Cam and Kirk as my quarterbacks, and like you said, they were both top five. But I was like painstakingly, which guy am I going to start? And he's yeah. fine no matter what. No, no one I really ever outdid the other, and – it was frustrating. And I think that was the way the quarterback position was this year, almost other than a little bit um, with Wilson. The quarterback position this year, it wasn't like Drew Brees lighting up four, five TDs. Right. Four. The quarterback position as in, in a whole, and I'd say it would stay that way even if, <coughs> even if uh, Aaron Rodgers played 16 games. Was there wasn't that continual onslaught across the board? Um, there was a frustrating, and I, I can say this because literally I had two top five quarterbacks on the same team, and I would be like, oh, match them up. And even when I made the wrong call, which happens, it wasn't like 41 points or 13, it was like That's 18 23. So many quarterbacks are just kind of average. They always kind of get you the double digit points. And it's hard to tell when they're going to go off that when you stream, give me the average Joe that's going up against the giants this year. Give me the average guy going up against that Packer 
uh, secondary, the Houston secondary, uh, the Jets, the Cleveland. Like, let me stream those guys that are going up against the worst Ds because those are always the guys that goes off, right? Quarterbacks were just very middle of the road and they would have really good games and guess what they had really good games against the worst defenses so i'll take the quarterback the average joe going up against the bottom defense that's what i want hey one thing valverde i am choosing that right now valverde sir do it up hey quickly um wanted to let you guys know the intro music the stooges fucking sick we opened up baby we open up with I Want to Be Your Dog. Um, might make sure that you can hear the whole song just because it was, in my opinion, probably one of the most seminal difference maker songs in the history of music. Iggy uh, Pop, maybe. Yeah, Iggy Pop. When that when I Want to Be Your Dog came out by the Stooges, um, I would say that there's never been anything – Velvet Underground did some amazing stuff um, prior to that, but I don't think there was ever a song uh, that was that avant-garde, crazy ahead of it. Everyone talks about a lot of influences for heavy metal and such. I think that that song kind of opened up a lot of avenues for music. So that's the opener. Um, And the closer's 1969. Iggy Pop, The Stooges, good stuff. Uh, check it out. Let's do a quick uh, advertisement, and um, we'll be back in one second. All right, uh, Mo, speed round. I'll shut up for a bit. Go speed round, and I'll just quickly talk about guys I think are high or low, and we'll move on so that we can get some uh, prop bet. Again, I'm not in any rush, but it is getting late. You got your kids wanting to give you kisses. Good night. Um, and at this point right now, we're already over three hours. <laughs> yeah, we might have to uh, cut out the props maybe and yeah. just do the rest of the ADP. So I'm going to go I'm going to go quick because, uh, yeah, 11.06 my time. And, uh, <laughs> you know, not we good. Started, and we tried to start early. Go for yeah. it. All good, buddy. This has been a sick show. I love talking fantasy. All right, All right baby. Uh, nine, round nine. Marvin Jones going right on. I think he's going to get up higher than that. Uh, three straight hundred target seasons. This is a deep threat guy. Three straight hundred target seasons. Uh, he and Tate finished in the top 20. So they are a force to be reckoned with. And he is the deep threat guy. He is the standard guy. Um, even in PPR. I mean, I might even take Marvin Jones just because he's got that ability to score from anywhere on the field. Detroit had the second highest percentage of plays go to the pass. They are the photo negative of the Buffalo team. And Marvin Jones, week eight through week 17, third best standard wide receiver, seventh best PPR. So second half of the season, he's basically top five guy. And the garbage that's in that round with him. Deshaun Jackson. Yeah. The only guy that I see that I actually like, Terrell Williams. Um, and, and he just doesn't get the opportunities. Like the, the rest of the, I mean, Brandon Marshall, yeah. Rex Burkhead. I mean, yeah. Den- defenses are starting. Thomas Rawls, Danny Woodhead. Yeah. Let's move on from this round. <laughs> Round I, round ten sticking out. Uh, well, okay. Let me just quickly say honorable mention. 
Deion Lewis. And the guy I'm going to go with out of the park is Juju. The guy I'm going to leave in the dust is Rob Kelly. Uh, just to talk about him quickly, honorable mention, Deion Lewis. How can you not be excited about this guy? Loving the art, the eye test. Uh, at any minute, anyone can be in the doghouse with Big Bit with uh, Wild Bill. So that kind of scares you off. I mean, you know, you look at him the wrong way and you, you might as well be on the, the Hoth system to use a Star Wars reference from earlier. But Dion Lewis, not Dion. He, he is sort of the one guy that always is there. He's phenomenal. Um, my main guy, though, Juju. I think Martavis Bryan is on the way out. Juju is on the rise. Uh, Juju didn't even play week one, and he still ended up being DraftKings' 12th best wide receiver. Uh, didn't acquire more than six targets per game until week eight. And again, he finished as the uh, 12th best wide receiver. So I think we've got a lot we haven't really seen from him. Once he gets a full season under his belt, uh, a full off season under his belt. And really, if you look, once he started kicking ass since week eight, only Keenan Allen had more fantasy points per opportunity than he did. I talked about opportunity last um, couple rounds ago. And I think with a guy like him, that's where you want to look because he's going to get more uh, next season, you have to believe in his opportunities that are going to rise with a full off season, becoming more comfortable with Acostas Furberger and uh, another year in Todd Haley's system. Give me some juju. Well, Todd Haley's gone. He's, oh, he's gone. Yeah, Haley's uh, offense coordinator for the Browns now. Um, they, yeah, they, he's out. But um, I think also, like I said earlier, uh, Martavis Brown Bryant. I think he's going to be gone too. It's going to be Juju other on the opposite side of Antonio Brown, the best wide receiver in the game. And if you're a great receiver on the opposite side of the best receiver that defenses are overcompensating for, that's good times for you. And we saw it this year as a rookie, as a, as a guy that was undrafted. Juju was undrafted in every league. I was in a fantasy. I'm in – Rookie leagues, maybe he was drafted in one of them because we went 24 rounds. Wasn't drafted in the one we went uh, 20 rounds. Undrafted even in rookie leagues. Uh, but stud, great kid. I, I don't know. I think Martavis is going to be uh, trade bait. But, yeah, there we go. I love Juju next year for sure. Um, he's obviously um, going to be a, a solid professional uh, NFL wide receiver for years to come. He's the young, he was the youngest player in the league this year. Yeah, he's got a long longevity, right? A, a long time under his belt. And like I said, he didn't even really start kicking it until he was week eight or whatever. So imagine what he's going to get uh, once he gets comfortable with the system and he's not having to worry about Martavis Bryan tweeting behind his back and all that crap. Uh, <laughs> just to, to uh, Learning moment here, kids. I did actually in prepping for the show. I wanted to double check, and I tweet. I uh, googled Todd Haley, and if you Google Steelers offensive coordinator, Todd Haley still comes up, even though I should have scrolled down and it said Todd Haley, you know, won't return. But the first thing is Todd Haley. So just saying, don't put all your faith in Google. Put all your faith in Bitcoin, ladies and gentlemen. Oh well, just always, you know, just. Net, make sure you know your sources and don't go for the first story. Um, I always like I, when I'm looking for news on Google or on Facebook or wherever, and they're all great sources or Twitter. Um, 
it's always best to do the view more because they yeah. try to compartment. Are you searching for people? Are you searching for news? Are you searching for stories, posts? Like know what you're searching for. Um, I have people, I am such a, I'm a black belt at searching. I, I know that for a fact. Um, I you were a white belt. No, I'm a white belt in what I actually wear. Oh, um, gotcha. If the thing was reversible, automatically, every time I hit search engines and I start looking for shit, the thing would automatically go from the white side to the black side. Um, and that'll be the future. Dion Lewis, I love that call. He's sick. I like to call him Rob Kelly being garbage. Let's go to the next round. Round 11, I'm going to say Evan Ingram. You don't often see a rookie tight end with 64 catches, 722 yards, and six TDs on pretty much a garbage team last this past season that fired everybody they could think of. They benched their starting quarterback. But, I mean, talk about an insurmountable wall for a rookie tight end. I mean, if the, the old adage in fantasy is don't start a rookie, rookie tight end, and here we have one that breaks the rule. Nothing but good things to expect from him in seasons forward. Uh, Marquise Lee is another guy, but he uh, might not be there. Back. And, uh, well, real quick, what do you think about these guys? Evan Ingram's the guy I love. Yeah. Marquise Lee, I like, but he might not be there. I want to kind of see what happens. And the guy I don't like is Sproles, even though I was right on my Sproles call a couple of years ago. But Sproles, <laughs> I'm not gonna, I'm not going to stick with this year. Well, I think Evan Ingram, in my opinion, is a six rounds higher draft. Yeah, yeah. The sixth or fifth round guy. This year, he finished top five. Um, when you look at some of the stats, Stag Party loves Evan Ingram. And he doesn't like the tight end position or rookies usually. But he loves this guy. And he's been posting some stuff. Like, across the board, every statistic – Evan Ingram's rookie season is top three, every single one. Um, and I think it, he got a lot more opportunities because obviously OBJ was gone and Brandon was gone or it sucked. And, no no grunt, no running no game. Guys, but I don't think that matters. I think going into next year, I, I almost don't think Brandon Marshall will be on the team. Um, I think it's, it's him and o, OBJ, and hopefully OBJ can stay healthy. Uh, but – the new um, the new GMs all in on Eli. I think they'll draft a quarterback that they think is the future. But it's Eli, and I, and it's it's going to be a lot of damage and a lot of production out of Evan Ingram. He's a wide receiver, and you get to tag him as uh, as a tight end. It's a good time. I love this guy. To me, I always go tight ends a little bit early. I've gone. Um, Kelsey, the last couple of years, it's been beneficial. He's the guy that I'll pinpoint um, in the fifth-ish round and just be pretty psyched. It'll, I think Evan Ingram the next year will be very similar uh, with even more fanfare and knowledge as uh, uh, Jimmy Graham was in 2012. Round 12, guy love Will Fuller. Uh, the man had seven TDs. He only played in four games with Deshaun Jackson. And guess what? All seven of his TDs came from those four games with Deshaun or uh, Deshaun Watson, excuse me. Uh, so again, seven TDs on the season, all seven. It came from the four games with Deshaun Watson. 
Imagine what he can do with the season with Deshaun Watson. TPW, 44% of the time. I love Will Folder. Folder. Plus, I'm a Notre Dame fan, so how can you not? But uh, And plus, you're not going to get the best the defensive have to offer because you got New Hopkins on the other side of the field. So Fuller, to me, is the easy guy to go with. Uh, honorable mention, maybe Nelson Aguilar. Dave T. Thomas loved this guy. I talked about him earlier just because he's got a great matchup with Rowe uh, for Super Bowl. But he's starting to show it. I mean, if you look at his first three NFL seasons, he's improved every single year in the following categories. Targets, receptions, yards, touchdowns. All have increased every single year. Arguably one of the best young quarterbacks in the business. He's got Ertz. He's got Jeffrey, which keeps uh, secondaries honest. So Will Fuller's the guy, and Aguilar is my honorable mention with a Jeremy Hill giving me the, or I'm going to give him the, I'll see you in a round or two, if best, and I'm going to push him till later. All right, for me, it's Cameron Meredith. I hope the guy can come back from the injury uh, yeah. uh, very well because I think he's a great player. Um, Maybe you got more faith in Trubisky than I do. I, I don't know. I mean, you're the Chicago guy, yeah. You think uh, good player? He's a good yeah. player. They got They just got to use him right. You know, it's as simple as that. We got a new system, new new coaching staff. Um, yeah, I think he's a good player. I really do. Am I bummed out? We don't have, um, and was I bummed out even before it happened and during it happened? We don't have Wat, uh, Watson. Uh, yeah, I am. He was, he was, as Sweeney said, the Michael Jordan of the draft. I thought, yeah, I thought we, I thought it would be a great time if we did it, but I'm, I, I do like Trubisky. Um, we'll see. They need an offense line. But the long and short of it, I definitely like Cameron Meredith. Um, Edelman, if he's healthy and back, I mean, I think this would be a – this seems late, in all honesty, in the 12-man league. If Edelman all offseason is playing and practicing, I don't care what's going on. Edelman's um, a, a handful, a, a few rounds higher than this. I don't think he's like lights out, going to finish top five rounds or anything, but it's, this seems a little low for me. Um, I'll just go on from there. And then the last guy who I actually mentioned earlier, uh, Chris Carson. The Chris Carson's healthy. He has the whole offseason program, and they don't draft a running back. And they say, you know what, Chris Carson, which felt pretty great um, at the beginning of last year, you're our starting running back. Um, and, and just stay healthy and let's fire it up. The guy's a beast. I like Chris Carson, too. I, I want to see if that line can improve. That's really been hurting uh, there. And if they can you know, solidify the line and uh, get a couple other things in place, get that you know, defense healthy, which they should be able to, uh, I'm certainly keeping my eye on Carson. One to watch. Another guy to watch, all these wide receivers, top 10 wide receivers from the draft last year. There was three. John Ross went ninth to Cincinnati. We already talked about Corey Davis, fifth to Tennessee, and Mike Williams, seventh to the Chargers. And he's a guy that's going uh, right in this round that we're talking about right around Will Fuller, Nelson Aguilar. So Mike Williams, another guy, a lot of potential. Hasn't really put it on the field yet, but one to watch. He's a total bust. You think Mike Williams is a total bust? So a seventh round pick after one season. I know, I know. Zero, zero question about it. He's a bust. I'm not I, ready I'm to a, throw the towel. I see why you say I, it. Yeah, I, 
he's a bust. He, he, I, I know my wide receivers, and I know him. It, it was the worst draft pick in last year's draft. It made it made no sense. They didn't need it. You are a good and wide receiver. You got a good eye for wide receivers. And and they already had. Look at it. He didn't even play this year, and they had four solid. They had four solid receivers. Five enough to trade one of them to my Chicago Bears. In the, it was the worst draft. I don't know what they were thinking. He's he's going to be a total fucking bust. Now, in this same round, a guy that I don't think is going to be a total bust is Zay Jones. And I think hopefully him and Peterman, or if, if they figure out yeah. and sign a free agent or they don't go with this guy um, right away. Zay Jones, he's, he's like, I think he'll be a lot better than Stephon, um, Stephon Diggs. Uh, and he's more of a... Um, Anquan Bolden's not a right thing, but he's like a, a mixture between Diggs and Bolden. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, can we move to the last round? Round yeah. 13. I got, as a guy that I'm liking, that I think is going to outperform round 13, Sterling Shepard, the big question there. You got QB, of course. Jeez, you have so many freaking questions there. You got quarterback question. Are they going to have a ground game? question uh who's gonna be the quarterback you got McAdoo gone you got Jerry Reese gone who's running this thing um who's Pat Shermer gonna hire right for uh offensive coordinator who's gonna be calling the plays I know they're they're looking at some guys like I said earlier John D. Filippo the Eagles quarterback coach Deuce Staley uh the Philly running back coach but I don't know who the offensive coordinator is gonna be under Shermer um who's gonna be calling the plays up in the big office but regardless Regardless, Sterling Shepard, I think, is a fantastic number two wide receiver, which, talking round 13, I would take Sterling Shepard there. Um, oh, a guy? Love that. He, he's, he's six rounds. He'll, he'll finish up six rounds higher than that for sure. Yeah, for a number two, even with so many questions, but for a number two, he's clearly got some uh, potential and was really touted in the draft as a solid number two. Um, McKinnon, you know, PFF grades McKinnon as their eighth overall best back. Listen to this. PFF graded him as the overall. So not just rushing, not just blocking, not just receiving, combining everything. Pro football focus graded McKinnon right in between Lev Bell and McCoy, if you can believe that. (laughs) You got to tweet that. Take a screen grab of that and tweet it. I will. will. Now, Here's what I'm gonna say. Yeah, McKinnon's going to the Giants. He's following Shermer, and we know the Giants' off, uh, yeah. running back situation. Jared McKinnon's going to be a solid, solid pick. If you're getting yeah. him in the 13th round, he mm-hmm. is going to get touches. And if he if he ends up somewhere else, you know, monitor that. But I'm going to put my money. That Shermer comes there and be like, let's get McKinnon. It's not a bank breaker. We'll pay him well. And I just I just love this guy. He's going to be on the Giants by the beginning of April. I like McKinnon a lot. You saw what he could do. He was always kind of in the background. Delvin Cook went down and he really stepped up. It was a great one-two punch with Latavius Murray. McKinnon outdoing him several weeks. So I like that. Again, it's just, you know, where is he going to land? Uh, 
I, I don't know if he is right in between Lev Bell and McCoy, but it gives me hope that somebody else who probably uh, is getting paid more money than I am sees that. But I certainly like him for a guy you're getting at the end of the draft or end of the 13th round, I suppose. Amendola, he's also going around there. What do you, now, I know you love him. I got to tell you, he's turning 33 next season, played nine seasons yet this year he played 15 games a feat he's only done I don't love him. one like, other time i don't love him i, I drafted amandola in the late rounds he's unplayable essentially and um I don't he's, a, he's a dfs guy you can play in certain situations he's he's a cheap guy you can uh use to play or uh, pay up at other positions so i like him in certain situations in dfs but 13th round i'm not going to do it next year on a 33 year old and he's got it he's i don't think the round it's i don't yeah it's it's still even high which is crazy but i think just in general edelman's coming back um if it's not ppr you can't even consider it but you can't even play him in a stand it's just he's kind of unplayable so uh, yeah, let's let, let's let's move on from that one. What I do like in this round, Kenny Galladay. Um, yeah, he, that was the one that. Yeah, yep. If he can stay healthy, um, he has he has the body like a Chris Henry. He has the body like um, a, a stronger Randy Moss. He has that unbelievable speed size thing that is unteachable um it there's 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 been 10 players in the history of the league in my opinion that have the full suite of size uh, skill and speed that Galladay has um maybe it's funny whatever don't hold me down but it's like elite um so I like him a lot um if it's Happening early next off season, he was injured. Remember this uh, leading up to the season. I think he missed the first few games, so season was shot. So if if any, if he's healthy, it's great. If not, stay away from him. But um, let's you know if he can start getting six targets instead of two. He's done a lot with two targets in a game. A lot of big plays. A lot of whatever. So I like him. Um, that's kind of the guy I agreed with you with Shepard. Um, and for my buck, Goskowski, obviously a little high, but I mean, in this 13th round, Goskowski guaranteed, maybe Shepard, maybe Shepard, but Goskowski, maybe, no, I don't think Goskowski in the 13th round will definitely finish the season with the most points. All right, man. That was uh, that was all the guys I had. We had 13 rounds to go after that on a PPR 12 man league. You're you're pretty much talking defense and kickers there, or, yeah, or too many of them to really talk about. Um, you know, we're going to quickly go through. I know you got to go, but we don't need to talk about these stupid. We don't need to. Let's just do some quick prop bets. All right. Five minutes of it. I don't give a shit about this stuff. Um, my first prop bet that isn't on any of them is how many eye blinks will Chris Collinsworth have? Um, the o- the yes or the over under is while on screen, Chris Collinsworth will have 13,000 eye blinks. Do you think? What? 
Do you think it's more or less? First of all, who is counting this? And do they get to use a VCR? Can they rewind? Because there's no way you can keep track of that. 13,000? I have no frame of reference point. I uh, Is that high for someone in three hours? That seems awful freaking high. I'm going to take the under on that one. I was talking about 13,000 eyeblings only on camera time. Which right, is right. Clearly. It's provable. It's maybe like 11 minutes. Yeah, yeah, right. On camera at most, I yeah, would think. So, so I'm saying that like essentially – if you were press pause on your VCR, every, it, the game, if you were doing like a roulette with press and pause, odds are his eyes would be closed. Okay, let's move yeah. on. All right, um, all right. Here's one. I got one for you. Yeah. Now, if you understand the prop bet, so like, for example, they're often going to have a plus and then a number underneath. So, for example, if it's plus 120, plus 120, that means if you bet $1, you're going to get back $1.20. Make sense? So, if it says plus, you know, 200 for every dollar you bet, you're going to get $2 back. If it says plus 10 what is it? Uh, if it says plus one thousand for every dollar you bet, you're gonna get ten bucks back, and so forth. So, so I bet if I that one of these prop bets is Al Michaels or Chris Collinsworth say Danny playoff. So if I bet on one dollar on that, it says yes equals plus two forty. You would get back two dollars and forty cents, and then. The, <laughs> And wow. then the no is minus 300. That means you have to bet $3 in order to win $1. I love, I love the way you know this stuff. Awesome. I'm such, I'm, my, my friends are always like, are you a gambler? I'm like, no, I'm like, but you run a fantasy set. I'm like, I'm just going to tell you right now, fantasy and gambling are two totally different. Like I will, I do not gamble. I go to Vegas for five days party had the best time ever and literally spend maybe a hundred dollars at roulette i just don't like gambling but yeah, I i'm a, I'm a I decent love, gambler I, and i know i'm not saying you are but i love people that know this shit because i don't yeah. even know the no the yes like yeah. even 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 the fact when you know the fucking patriots are favored by eight day one negative eight i'm like wait is that <laughs> I'm I'm keeping track. Let's put, uh, uh, we're going to come up with five bets, you and I, and five differences. And let's put, let's put 20 bucks on it. Who wins three out of five? Cool. I like it. All right. Now, did you say under or over on Chris? (laughs) I'm going to say this under or over on how many times Chris Carter blinks. That was, I made that up. Just. Oh, okay. Honestly, how could you tell? Thousand eye blinks, and I love the fact that you were kind of lulled into. How could you not tell? Because look at some of these on here. So for (laughs) everybody out there, we're using BetDSI. So if you just go to BetDSI, if you search it, you you can look at them. You don't even have to have an account. I do have an account, but you don't have to have an account. You can just sign up. Uh, I have gotten money from them. I am not paid by them, but I've been betting with them for a long time. I've taken checks from them. You can get uh, checks via cash or uh, money order or you can even do bitcoin uh you can we can talk about that in a whole nother hour but let me bring this 
let me bring this one up. Color of Bill Belichick's hoodie. Now, you and I aren't going to mess with um, the action. You know, how if $1 gets you 120 or whatever. But let me just say it. Bill Belichick's hoodie. If you were to bet $1 on gray, you'd get $1.20. If you were to bet $1 on blue, you'd get $1.40. If you were to bet $1 on red, you'd get 5 That means you've got the greatest odds on gray. So what are you going to take? Bill Belichick hoodie, gray, blue, red. Do I have to bet on this one? Yes, because I'm calling it, and you're going to call the next one, and we're going to keep going. Got it, got it. Um, I'm going to go with blue. So, again, gray's your best odds. Blue's in the middle. Red's a hard one. Yeah, I'm going to go. All right, I'll go red. Going red. I'm going to go blue. D-Rex, I'm writing this down. B. Belichick hoodie. Oh, great. It's going to be great. Red, it could be, and that would be a push between you and I. We're going whoever wins the most out of five. Red, blue for me. Mo. All right. All right, just call it Dini. I'm at Mo. I like you taking the notes. I like you. Oh, you you got it, baby. Uh, Do you got another one up here? Because, God, some of these broadcaster ones are great. Uh, I like I like I like this one, and we gotta keep. Um, all right, so I'm looking through here. Um, I'm hating these guys. Okay, so will oh, they, 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 can it take a while? Sure. Okay, here here here's a good one because you, this if you were doing it, you would will it. Al or Chris say pro football focus. <laughs> At like which, like, is it yes or no or which one? Yes is negative 200. And it's oh, no. God. It, is, it is yes for sure. Because, for sure, Al, right? because what's his name owns it. Yeah. But do you think that they just basically in the production, like we've given you the whole NBC season to talk about it, but Super, if you want to talk about it on Super Bowl, every time you say it is half a million dollars. They've already bought it. NFL has bought for $30,000 or whatever it is, the rights to all their stats. It's something insane. When Chris Collins took over that company, you could, I don't know, I I wish somebody would have the math, but I remember we had a a membership for like the total package. All the packages change as soon as Chris Collins worth and took over. I am not kidding you. They went up from roughly, let's say, a hundred bucks to thirty thousand was one of the things. It was insane how much they went up. And then, you know, they changed it all and the amount of stuff they're going to give. But it inflated. I mean, somebody should look into this. It was illegal for how much they are trying to gouge the the public on PFF. But I digress. You love it, and I actually love it when I see it and it reaffirms a, a player that I love that's in the tops, but. We we bought the elite package for Pyro this year, and I didn't use it once. Um, I know our guys did, so that's fine. But just like I just didn't use it once. So let's go. Let's go back to this. Uh, Al or Chris saying pro football focus. You're saying yes. I'm saying yes, and I would I would even bet on Chris saying it. <laughs> I liked it. Okay, I'm gonna say no. No, I'm gonna say yes. That would be dumb. They're they're gonna have a pro football focus chart. Okay, so that one is null and void. We we both no, agree. No, I'm sorry, but I just saw football. 
Okay. No, that's fine. That's cool. Okay. I got one here. Total yeah. touchdowns. Total touchdowns over five and a half. And this one's if you if you spend a uh, dollar, you're going to win the same amount regardless. So it's neutral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Over well, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking there's going to be some scoring in this game. I agree. I think it's going to be over as well. All right, you pick one. Um, which? Oh, Jesus, that was a weird one. Um, I got one. If you're, uh... I got one. Total commercials will that Peyton Manning appears in. Ooh. Okay. Okay. Over is two and a half, which would equal one hundred and fifteen. Under is two and a half, which equals one fifteen. Okay. Must Total be, commercials for must Manning. During must be must be in during broadcast to be official. Okay. I don't know what that means? Like it's got to be during the game. So basically, it's going to be two or three. Yeah. Do you think there would be three or two Peyton commercials? I think there would be two or less. All right, I'll take the over on that one. All right. So D Rex three. You just plus won. You won that one. That was dumb of me. Two. So no. Unless, I got a good one. I got a good one. So okay. this one, there's a ton of people. There's no way we're gonna have the same thing. First player to score. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, yeah, first player to score a touchdown. So player to score first TD is the way it's framed. Player to score the first TD. I can name them. Rob Gronkowski, yeah, 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 Zach Ertz. I'm trying to okay. think. I'm trying to think. Um, JJ. Okay. D. Rex. Okay. I'm. I'm going to take Amendola. All right, that's three bets we've gone. We got to go to five to see who, uh, you know, wins two out of three or three out of whatever. So here's 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 my next one. I love it. Total times Dilly is said during the contract during the broadcast. Dilly. Oh, wait a minute, because if you have one of those, what's the over under? So I'm about to do it. The over is twelve and a half, and that's one hundred and thirty. And the under is 12 and a half, and that's plus 100. Over 12. So it's more likely the under. Is that correct? Jesus. Can I get a first pick one of these times? Sure. No, I don't. No, but, yeah, I think I think you made a, the right call there. I, mean, I didn't call anything, but I, it sounds to me that under would be 12. And if you think uh, about it. Okay. Yeah, I would say under. Now, you don't have to go with it. You can say, I would also say under, and we can move on to the next one. I mean, I, yeah. You think I mean, it's under? I mean, how could it possibly? Yeah. Yeah, it's under. I don't care. There's no way they're, they're going to have. No way that, yeah, I'm going under. Let's move on. I just liked it. All right, baby. Color. No, I'm going over. I'm going over. You're going over. I'm going over. Billy. Billy. Over 12. D. Rex. Under. Billy did it. 
I got one. This is our fifth one, I bet. Color of liquid thrown on winning coach. You've got clear, green slash yellow, red, blue, orange, or you can go no liquid. Now, I should tell you, um, odds. Clear or slash water is the best odds. Followed very closely by green, yellow. Then comes red and blue. Those are the same. And then orange is the least likely with no liquid. I mean, almost an impossible. (laughs) So clear is the best odds. Green, yellow is right behind it. Then red, then blue, then orange. Are you being serious right now, or is it totally the opposite? I am being serious. I'm in special props orange on Bet DSI. If they do it, it's orange is by far made. Orange and green are the only, or lime green are the only options. It's always orange. But what I think is going to happen, Patriots are going to win. They've been there before. This isn't that exciting for them in the, in the uh, on-field Gatorade side of things. No liquid. Oh my god. No liquid. Actually, out of all everything we bet on, I feel the best about what I just said. That is, you're insane. That is crazy. It's green yellow, baby. I agree. So, but why would you have said but you said that oh green yellow. I am telling you. So let me those are if, the you, if you're on bet DSI. It is under special props, and it says color of liquid thrown on winning coach. Clear gives you the best odds, meaning 200. Uh, green slash yellow is your next option, okay. and that's 300. That's, that's, that's original flavor. Then you've got red at 500, blue at yeah, 500. They're, they're, they're idiots. Orange at 750, and no liquid thrown at 1,500. Yeah, I like, I like my call. And my second call would be orange. No, red is they do not serve the fruit punch Gatorade. It's orange. You know what, dude? I'm gonna give I'm gonna give you no liquid slash orange because the odds are pretty tough on both those. Fair enough. All right, yeah. Then I got this one locked up. You got it. no liquid slash orange because mine is already says green yellow, but I guess how can you tell? You know, it's, it's hard it's, to tell the difference. Between you're just saying, just say original flavor. We know what this. It's neon. It's the original Gatorade flavor. Right. Right. You're right. All right. Let's review. So we're going to go 20 bucks, best out of five, whoever wins the most. First one, Bill Belichick's hoodie, you go red, I go blue. Now, if it's neither of those, that's null and void. I think it's going to be neither, none. So, okay, go on. That could happen. Um, total commercials during broadcast, so I have to assume that's when there's time started on the game, right? Yeah. Basically, I would assume. No, During bro- broadcast includes the minute the minute it's it starts. The yeah. Minute it starts. yeah, it's 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 Super Bowl. So eight o'clock is Super Bowl. Yeah, from eight to ten, would, whenever it's scheduled. I would say it's not the stupid pregame. You know, Dan Patrick, uh, Harrison, and uh, um, yep. or whatever. But once once it once they get on and it's uh, right. Alan. Chris. Total total Manning commercials. You've got three or more, and I've got two or less. Starting to rethink that one. Uh, then our third one is player to score first. This is this could easily go to neither of us. You said AJ Ajahi. Uh, I've got Amendola. 
Then we said, oh, <laughs> the amount of times dilly dilly is said over 12 times, or the amount of times dilly is said over 12 times is you, under 12 times is me. Uh, what happens on 12? Is that a push? Or is it do you, who gets 12? If it, when you're talking about dillies and it's a push, the dildo that says yes, there's going to be more than 10 of these should win. Or, or, so 12 is a push, or it's a push, and we both go to the uh, the pit of misery. I like it. We'll, we'll go in the pit of misery and then have to um, come up with another torturous. That is the dumbest event. thing I've ever heard. Shut up, Doug. <laughs> you were crying, it was not. Uh, last one the color of the liquid on the winning coach you go no liquid whatsoever a ballsy move by d-rex or orange and i go the traditional yellow green i love it it's a winner there's no 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 liquids being poured on on Billichek. i'm almost more excited for these than i am the actual game (laughs) hey man that's it this this is it, baby. This has been a, a pleasure, and uh, I'm going to have to put my kids to bed, I'm sure. Hopefully, they've just passed out without Four me. Four-hour show. Yeah, baby, just the two of us. I didn't, I didn't even think we could hit the two. Oh, man, I knew. We, I knew. I kind of thought this was going to be a long one, but once we once we were having such a good time with the uh, Super Bowl, I knew yeah. that uh, – We should have just done a whole show on the Super Bowl props. My God. Dude, this stuff's awesome. Hey, Mo. I love you, buddy. It's awesome. I don't know what's gonna happen uh, with hearing your docile tones on the uh, the podcasting for fantasy football this year, but there's no one that does it quite like you. Literally, you are uh, you're you're my favorite on air personality, voice, uh, thought process, life, fantasy football. And I'm not just saying that because you're on it. I, I say it all the time, like. Literally, I love listening to you and interacting with you about fantasy football on the Pyro Podcast and the light and whatever. You are just a fucking beast at this. So this has been awesome. Well, I I appreciate it. And I hope to at least, at the very least, do a couple of draft shows. So uh, rookie guys that are coming into the league i hope to give some listeners some uh, draft insights some dynasty guys we got a lot more people playing dynasty now and um hopefully even going to tickle your funny bone by reaching out to a few pyro favorites but i uh, don't want to make any promises yet cool buddy no not 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 asking you to just love love doing this with you you are the best you're a natural uh, i thought this was a great show Literally, we are over four hours, which I fucking love because it's 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 not as late for me as it is for you. That's Coke fun. driver will be able to get uh, a few rounds in. I love you, Mo. Good stuff. Um, I'm love gonna, you, buddy. I'm going to shut this party down. Like we said, we got the uh, the Stooges going out. That was a motherfucking robust show with our boy Pyromaniac Mo. We're calling this one a superb chat with Pyromaniac Mo, and I can't tell you, I didn't think it was going to be this superb. Give a shout out. We love you, Mo. Give it, tell the people that you love them, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, my man. Always a pleasure to be with you. I love you, sir. You are a true scholar and a gentleman, a kind 
person I consider part of my family. And Pyromaniacs, you've always been great and supportive. So I hope you enjoyed this one as much as I have. And until the next time, we will catch you on the flip side.